We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale, live from Blue Wire Studios, Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. If you guys are in town, you know, Wednesdays, Sundays, come check us out. Always appreciated. You guys can see the hot takes in person. It took a while to get the old man here today. I'm not going to lie to you. It is a boxing show. I was like, cool, we haven't talked boxing in a second. All he wanted and all he cared about was watching his Niners win, Debo Samuel, and he watched every second of that game because Jimmy Garoppolo is so horrible that he actually made it a game. So the old man finally arrived in studio. He is here wearing his Niners jersey. Um, if you're watching a clip on Twitter, you can see this. Uh, but take look at it. It's... Uh, He's just basking in the glow of victory. Yes. Right now. It yes. Is horrible. I had to watch every second because the best block was from the official in the last play. Because <laughs> <laughs> they got enough favors. Like the, the, the pitch to Debo looked like a first down. So his knee would give him an inch. They call a false start on the QB sneak. So I had to watch every second of the game. And then finally, the official was like, listen, Jerry, we can't take no more favors. That's game. We're going home. Yeah, Jerry. Jerry, like, hold on. I got some more money. He's like, how much Let me more? Let go to the checkbook. <laughs> how much more? Look, look man. I, I told you. I've said this off the show. 49ers win the Super Bowl. I'm getting a chain of Debo wearing a chain. Yes. The chain. Like, that's, that's what I'm doing. It's, it'll be the craziest thing. But, y'all, we're not supposed to be here. I went to the Niners game in San Francisco. We played the Seahawks. Jimmy got hurt. Trey Lance came in. And I was like, oh, man, our season's over. Mostert was already out. Kittle got hurt. Debo got hurt. Ayuk wasn't touching the ball. I thought the season was over. Then we beat the shit out the Rams. And now we just got past the Cowboys. Riding high now. Yeah, this is all cherry on top. We're not supposed to be here. We shouldn't be here. Like, dead ass. Like, look. That's what you said when you went to the Super Bowl. We we weren't supposed to. Nobody picked us. Nobody picked us that year. Nobody picked us this year. It was supposed to be the Rams, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, then us. I wish you the best of luck next weekend when you play the Packers. And then that's it. And I root for nothing but heartbreak in your life because I need, and it will happen, the Tampa Bay Bucks to go 
back to the Super Bowl yo, yo. so I can finally win a bet. I, dog, I don't even care at this point. Like, if, if the Niners play Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship, I don't care. I'll be too thrilled. If Tampa Bay wins, so what? Look, the reality if is— If the Niners beat the Bucs oh, in that'd the be championship— the, Oh, that'd be the greatest. It, you won't see me. You won't see me in studio that week. I'm, do we get PTO at Blue Wire? How does this work? No, I'm haunting I, you. I, I, you I'm going to read this contract. Something. Wherever you go, I'm, I'm fine. Yo, if the Niners play the Bucks, Producer Cole said he'll take my spot. <laughs> if the Niners play the Bucks in the NFC Championship and the Niners beat the Bucks, which means my team goes to the Super Bowl and you lose, I will haunt you forever. That's unbearable. I will buy you a chain of Debo Samuel wearing a chain. <laughs> or I will buy me, I'll buy you a, a chain of me with that bottle. Oh, yeah. With the, the first bet yes, bottle? Yes, the first the, brunch bottle. Yeah, the I will buy that. large yes. bottle of champagne. And gift that to you. We, we ain't supposed to be here. I'll take it. Look, the reality, reality is football talk. Reality is Green Bay has a better chance of beating Tampa Bay. Now, obviously, Tampa Bay has to beat who I assume would be the Rams to get past the Cardinals. Yeah. Rams kind of have limped into the playoffs. Rams just have a better team. McVay just has to, has to coach his ass off. But if Tampa Bay were to get past the Rams and have to choose between Green Bay and the Niners, I'm a Niners fan, but I'm with reality. That game could be a shootout. Aaron Rodgers could hang with a shootout. I don't trust Jimmy G in a shootout. Nah, not at all. And we'd have to pressure. And, like, Tom Brady could eat up our secondary. I don't want to see it. But if we get there, I don't care. I'd be more happy that we got to the NFC Championship game. I wouldn't even care about the bet anymore. I wouldn't care. But if we won the bet, you got something coming your way. All right. Before we move off of the football talk, and actually we're going to talk hip-hop and other stuff on this show to begin with. Even though it's a boxing show, who's your quarterback next season? If you had to say right now, today, who's your starter? Depends on how the season ends. Right now, today, who is your starter? Probably Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> keeping the keeping the young kid. Trey Lance ain't ready. Look, <laughs> Trey Lance is just he just isn't ready. Gave up a million picks for the kid. Yeah, but you have to at least let Jimmy play four or five games. Trey's not ready. We put him in. We saw he had happy feet. He did well against a terrible Houston defense. But with all those weapons, you need somebody to manage the game. And Trey's not managing shit right now. Trey's, he's not ready. All right. You're here. <laughs> yeah, unless they trade for someone. Like I mean, yeah, unless we crazy. found a way to get Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers, like, Russell yo. Wilson. Yo, if the Niners beat the Packers next week and Aaron Rodgers is like, fuck this, I'm out. I'm immediately starting my campaign for Aaron Rodgers. Immediately. I don't care what we do. Jimmy G can win the Super Bowl. I want Aaron Rodgers. For a year. Give me a year with Aaron Rodgers. Listen, I'm, I'm a Giants fan. I want a year with anybody. Well, you, y'all Give me stink. anybody. The Giants. We stink now. You give us Aaron Rodgers, we'll see you next year in the playoffs. Maybe. He's that good. No, no maybe. We got, we got tons of picks. We're fine. What about your defense? Our defense wasn't a problem. It's, it's a problem. I mean, y'all suck. No, no, no. <laughs> Our <laughs> offense y'all had suck. 17 yards a game. Y'all suck. Danny Dimes isn't that bad. No, he was hurt the whole end of it. Right. So y'all, y'all Aaron Rodgers is that much better. The Giants are bad. Giants, they're not even part of this conversation. No. Giants, goodbye. But you know what I'm looking forward to? What? It's a segue. Um, even though we'll talk about this more later in the show. I found out today I actually get to be in Vegas, definitely, for the NFL draft. Um, I already, like ESPN already told me I'll probably be like helping with coverage and cover it. But I was afraid Tyson Fury. He's going to book a fight or it's going to be like Joshua versus Usyk on 
April 30th. And I was like, damn, they're going to do something stupid to make me not be able to cover the NFL draft. Oh, you love the draft, too. I love the draft. It's, it is bigger than my birthday, bigger than Christmas. My family knows not to mess with it. Like, that is my day. I take, you told me all the time, like, you don't take days off of work or no vacation. I take days off of work for the draft. Full disclosure, this would be my first draft sober since I was, like, 19. Because me and my friend have our, our uh, mock draft every year. We do, like, a three-round mock. And then we play our draft drinking game. So we're always drunk by, like, pick 18. Um, stupid drunk. This year, I'll be sober. I'll be covering it. And we'll have to do, like, a second-round mock or something. But I was like, yo, I want to see it. Last year, allegedly, they had the boats flown across the Bellagio to bring the people to shit. I want to see all of that. And then today... We got news, a report. Shout out to Cop at ESPN. ESPN's going to have a fight in Vegas that weekend, piggybacking off of it at the MGM. I was like, what? Yeah. I get paid to cover a fight. I get paid to cover the draft. And I get a hotel room stay on the strip all week. Nice. That's, listen, man, it's my birthday present. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. I'm so happy. I get paid enough that week. That for any reason, if I lose this stupid bet with the Buccaneers, I have more than enough money to cash in. And oh. be like, yo, Dre, we can eat that weekend. No. I got it. That, that's <laughs> the best part because the best part is it's the end of April, right? Yep. My child is due at the beginning of April. Yep. You and come I'm, outside. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm taking a couple of weeks off for paternity. You know, I got to help the wife with the baby. Of course. And then that means I run. If, if you lose the bet, I run right into the draft and possibly Shakur Stevenson versus Oscar Valdez and you. And I'm. My, I'm drinking again? And you're drinking. That's the key. Yo. Com comically large bottle of champagne. Comically. <laughs> and I'll probably bring it to the studio. <laughs> just, and just sit it here. I mean, it took us a while to finish the first one. Like, you started handing it out. So, yeah, if we had brunch before this, you would have to bring the, the extremely large bottle yes. of champagne. Yeah, that'd be, that'd with be us. great. That, yeah, that'd um, be excellent. But I'm not losing this one. This is going to be the first. Yo, first you, you've had to sweat this bet for like the last few weeks because... I don't care until the NFC Championship game. I really don't. That bothers me more than anything. I just, I Your watch nonchalance you. I don't care. Bothers me. Every, when Leonard Fournette went down, I was like, you're like, oh, God. I'm like, I don't care. Nothing matters until the NFC Championship game. Yo, the offensive line was so healthy. And then Two boom, of them boom. got injured today. Like, like uh, you, you should be happy that they won, right? But you're I monitoring because the only thing that matters to you is getting to the Super Bowl. The only game that matters to me is the NFC Championship. Two more. See, that's why people are like, oh, your bet's so crazy. It's like, cool, but... It's gone the way I wanted, except for them getting a number one seed. But they got the two seed. Yeah. They won. It was easy coasting against the Eagles, but they lost two players. That's where the, the bye helps. Y'all don't want to play the Rams. So now it's like, damn, I, I went into this bet knowing they just got to win two games. When I made the bet, I said it on air. All you got to do is win two. I know they're going to be there. Everything's going to be fine. They just got to win two games. Now I'm in the season. I'm in the season of the bet. These are the two games. Yep. Now I'm sweating. Now, before I was fine. Now, now I feel a little, little shaky. Let's go Arizona. <laughs> uh, outside of that, I hope you don't get that Debo Samuel chain. Either. Ooh, boy, Debo, me holding a chain of Debo holding the chain of a knot? Bruh. A, a chain inception. You've never seen somebody so excited. I'll be the most That's excited. That's going to be ridiculous. It, it'll be stupid. I don't care if we lose Super Bowl. I hope your I'll wife just so upset off of that purchase. My wife already knows. She knows, and she's unhappy with... Like, she was even unhappy that we won today. Like, I could see it. Like, she was happy. She was like, oh, because I was yelling at my TV. And she was like, what happened? I was like, we won. And then my daughter was like, 
no playoffs next week. And I was like, baby, sorry. Yeah. Like, because I shut it you down. You were born into this. Yeah, I woke, no, I woke up. This is how I woke up. Woke up doing my Debo jersey. We want some jeans, some kicks. We went to IHOP because the kids wanted IHOP. Took them to eat. I was like, we got to hurry up and get the fuck home. Did they have I, pancakes? Of course they had pancakes. It was all you can eat pancakes. I had a burger. I didn't eat pancakes today. It was lunchtime by the time we got there. Okay. I rushed back. Smart man. Watched the game. Had my shit on. Like, I'll sleep in this jersey. If it wasn't for the pandemic and COVID probably coming home with me, I'm on because I wash all my stuff when I get home. I sleep in this. Now I got to make a decision. I have a, I have a Garoppolo jersey, a Kittle jersey, and this jersey. What is last week when we won? Watched it. War today, we won. I'm looking at my Kittle jersey. Kittle's not even touching the ball. You got you to gotta keep the... Yeah, I can't. keep the mojo. I almost feel like I got to wear this all week. <laughs> just, just for extra push. Yeah, because if just the moment case. I put on my Kittle jersey, we're going to lose. Because he's not even touching the ball. Jimmy G, like, how do you have, we have the, him and Kelsey are the two best tight ends in the market. But he's not, he hasn't touched the ball in like four weeks. He killed me in my fantasy league. And we're winning. And we're still winning. Because so. we, we line up Debo everywhere. <laughs> Listen, Madden, if y'all don't 99 Debo Samuel next year, this fool lines up everyone on the field and just gets big game after big game. The cutback he did today? Crazy. Ridiculous. 99 yeah. that man. Quit playing, Madden. I will buy Madden if, D, if Debo gets to 99. It's I haven't played unplayable. So you're not missing any. I don't. I haven't but you will Madden. buy it. I haven't played Madden in years because I hate it. But I will buy it if Debo is like a 90. If he's 97 to 99, I'll buy it. Ugh. Mm-hmm. You're just unbearable with your love of the Niners. Oh, yes. It, it's horrible. Every everyone, White Sox. Everyone else here in the studio, producer Cole, baby, your team is at home with my team on the couch. Antoine, I think you're on the same. He's a Raider. He's a Raider fan. Yeah, okay. Your team just went home. All right, Antoine, cool. Welcome to the couch. Packers. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, damn. That's not what I wanted to see. I got to deal with the Packers next week? Yeah. All right. Well, <sighs> listen, I want everyone to join my misery. If one can't win, nobody will. So, yeah, they get. Yeah, <laughs> my Giants team sucks. Everybody got to be at home with oh, us. Man. Um, beyond that, I didn't even get into what we're covering on the show. So you guys know it's a boxing show today. We're going to talk about some hot topics in boxing, which is going to be fun because usually we spend so much time previewing and recapping a fight. We're really just getting into this year's slate. So a ton of stuff have been announced. Um, We're going to talk about the reports of Shakur versus Valdez. We're going to talk about who Canelo should fight next, who Cambosius should fight next, and Bud suing top rank. It's also something we have to talk about. So there's so much that's happened in boxing since we've been gone. But, of course, we will recap Joe Smith Jr., his title defense. Also, Gary Russell Jr. is fighting next weekend. It's Groundhog's Day. Yeah, once a year. So that's going to be interesting to talk about later on in the show as well. Before we get to all that, we were supposed to come in here and talk hip-hop. But, you know, I I thought the old man was going to be somber. I thought his team was going to lose. I was like, cool, we just get right into music. No, he's in here gloating. So, um, first thing, I know you listen to the Corday album. Yes, the Corday album is incredible. Someone told me before I listened to it, there I was like, "Yo, I got to make time to listen to this." And they were like, "If this would have dropped a month ago, the end of last year, say like December twenty fourth, he'd have album of the year last year." Come on, man! The album just came out. Relax. The album came out Friday. It did. They had to say it would be album of the year. That's a lot. I think I like it better than Tyler. I don't. So I wouldn't say it's better than Tyler. 
I mean, yeah, Tyler. I don't you know had if Conway. I like him better than Wale. Yeah, Wale. It's too soon for this. Why Conway are we having this conversation already? The saying, but it's great out. It's in running. I mean, granted, we're a month away, yes. but I think it'll hold up well enough to be in the running of albums of the year. I'm it, not going to say it's going to be album of the year because that's ridiculous. But it's like when we saw um, Ryan Garcia last year at the knockout, the body yeah. punch knockout. Be like, yo, this is going to be one of the best knockouts of the year. This is going to be one of the best albums. No, four days. Four days. I've, I've been. Trumping in Corday since he was YBN Corday. He's one of the young cats that just totally gets it. He's an MC. He's 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 dope. Great concepts. The production's fantastic on the album. I mean, you got to join with Eminem, which is it's like damn man. Yeah, I mean he's dope. And then you know, like no, Wayne gave him a good verse. It's no, always Wayne, nice when Wayne's kind of been hot lately. He has been. Yeah, like feature Little Wayne hasn't missed in a second. Album Little Wayne is where you still get, you'd be like, yo, I can't listen to 14 tracks of Wayne anymore. Yeah. But his features, yo, he the, he bodied the C and Green joint with Nicki Minaj. Yeah, no. So, Wayne, yeah. Wayne still got it. But Corday just conceptually, he's dope. Obviously, him and his girl. I hope him and Naomi Osaka stay together forever. Yeah. Like the most adorable couple seeing those two, watch, watch them come up together. Make a great album. Like, he's he's dope. He's That's why when I listen to people, it was like, oh, you don't listen to the young cast. Corday's young. Crazy. He's he's young and he's dope. But my nephew, like, right now, my cousin, my cousin is like um, 23. He's like, yo, no no young people like Corday. It's like, he's too lyrical. He that, tries too hard. Quotes, he tries too hard. That is the, yo, when people say stuff young like that. kids, this is how they think. When people say too lyrical, yep. that means too smart. And if you say that something is too smart for you, what do you say about yourself? Listen, I asked my cousin this like three times when I was in Puerto Rico. I was like, they're just giving anyone college degrees now? I was like, how do you just like mumble, like not even mumble rap, but like he likes, it's weird. He likes a bunch of like the stupid, I take Xannies and perks and. Drug, like these kids do like drug depression yeah. rap. I was like, yo, you don't even, you're not yeah. depressing. You don't do drugs. Yeah. Like, why do you like this? He's like, oh, it's relatable. I can't, he's like, I can't relate to Corday. I'm like, how would Kenny not relate to Corday? He's just writing about his life. But it's funny because kids be like, I can relate to little Xanax or like well, whoever you pick. And it's like, you don't do drugs. What At are you all. Talking about? At all. These kids are weird. I, I went on a pretty good rant to my cousin and uh, my two cousins and then like some other one of their friends that were around. I was like, this is the first time in hip hop because for so long, I remember growing up and like, you know, we grew up through many different phases. The Jiggy Rap. Yeah. The, um, it went into like everybody got a gun, shoot them up, ba ba ba, like whatever. This is the first time in rap where people are living the gimmick. These kids don't know that it is a gimmick. Before, for example, people may have like been street pharmacists at one point in their life. Of course, they, they start rapping, they stop doing that. Yeah, most of them do. Yes, a good amount of them. Some still stay in the field. But yeah, they should. Yeah, but, but yeah. not not knee deep. Into this, like you know, like they're on a ten day contract. They're 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 not a full season. <laughs> a dope dealing ten day contract? contract is that is that yeah. what we're doing now? This we're is, handing out ten day contracts is, for drug this, dealing. This is what they have. Wow. They are, they are Isaiah Thomas of of the industry. Hmm. So yeah, no, like these kids now, they were like, oh no, I got to rap about this. But they actually then, like they'll they'll be perfectly fine. They won't be depressed. They'll be from great families. They have like I got it out the mud. We get out the mud. We finally got a four bedroom. 
Yeah, it's like, privileged kids rapping. Yeah, and they'll rap, and then they'll start doing drugs because, like, yo, I'm talking about it. I got to do it. It's like, no, mm-hmm. you don't. They work themselves into a shoot. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's what hip hop is today. A lot of a lot of kids working themselves in the shoot. I mean, anybody who's seen the Juice World documentary is a very depressing documentary. Very depressing. A lot of enablers, yo. Like well, that documentary just blew my mind. Not in like. Oh my God, this made like incredibly well. It blew my mind. I was like, they're doing this on camera? Well, here's the frustrating part about the Juice World documentary. You make a documentary of a kid who just died, right? And you talk to all the people that were around him. Obviously, they're not going to condemn the things that they are currently doing that helped kill Juice World, right? He overdosed on drugs. You know, he had, he had a problem. Like when they talked about how much lean he would do, crazy. Like, this is crazy. But there's also a part of this documentary I was like, y'all not going to talk about this anymore? When he talks about being diagnosed with ADD as a third grader, and he had he learned how to take pills as a third grader, and then nobody talked about it, including his mother. Yeah, I was like, this this is not. They didn't need to do. I get why they did the documentary because it taps into another audience. I get it. You know, Bill Simmons, Sean Fantasy, the team behind it. I get why they did it, but you got to create some distance because. We need to have a real conversation about kids being diagnosed with for for AD, ADHD and whatever else, and the pills that they are taking at a very young age, and how that translates to them forming doing, habits. Yes, creating habits at a young age. But then we have to be like, well, where was his mother through all all of this stuff? And she's on in the, the documentary, document. and like nobody's saying it's your fault. I'm not saying it's her fault, but there's there's perspective that's missing. Yeah, you know, it's a tragedy what happened to him. But the craziest part about it is Juice Will rap for two years. It wasn't like he was rapping for like 10 years and finally got on. Like DMX was old when he got on. Yeah. By hip hop standards, he was like 30 when he finally dropped his Dark and Hell's Hot. This kid was like, he just started rapping. Yep. And then he, he sold it. He went to the, the, to the moon, did all the drugs and died. And that was the end of his career. This should be like a cautionary tale. And it isn't that. It was, no, it was a champion. It was weird. Of like his his life and lifestyle. Yeah. Like there was a point where his girl was like, yo, I don't like you doing all that lean. Like you got to get off of this as she like just pours out like a line of cocaine and like rolls up a... It's like, what, what are we doing I'm like, here? what is going on here? Like it's... That documentary has just been that. It, it's mind blowing. Like I suggest for people to watch it. It's but a celebration of life though. Yeah. For a story... It's a it's that a weird isn't story. That necessary. It's a and then you know they talk about I've never heard anybody rap like this and I'm like you haven't <laughs> like no disrespect to Juice World right like people love his music but have you heard Nas or Jay Z or Eminem or Biggie or anybody like I'll give you Lil Wayne like even if you're young some of these kids haven't a lot of his fan base I I believe like him but he was born in 1999 so a lot of his yeah, right fans on, are born in like 2001 2002. We're at the point where people born in 2002 are 20. That's crazy. So, like, yes, a lot of these people haven't heard Biggie, Nas. Yeah, but yeah, at least they heard Wayne or Kendrick or somebody. Somebody. Wale, somebody, and you's like, I've never heard I've never heard anybody rap like Drake. Even if you just heard Drake. Right. Uh, I don't know. Like you, you should know, like, oh, someone else does this crap. So yeah, no, um, back to the Corday album, though. I thought it was great. Can't wait to give it more listens. I'm surprised. I haven't seen the wave of, this is a classic. But that's more reserved for, like, in future. Yeah. One of these kids drops something. So, um, 
real quick, if you had to choose the next wave of like super dope young rappers who's on your J.I.D., list. number one. That's it. That's that's it. Over Cordae? Yes. i give Cordae over J.I.D. Nope. You were really big on J.I.D. I'm very big on him. Yeah. And I love Cordae. I think Cordae is incredible, but J.I.D. is, he has a song. I can't remember the name of the song. Where he t- he rhymes in in patterns that wh- like wide receiver routes, he references them in his rhyme. It's incredible. <laughs> like he's to be as young and adobe as he is, he doesn't really like he has the uh, the Caprio album and, and such. But this I'm I promise you, we'll have this conversation at the end of the year. He's got to drop an album this year, and we'll revisit this conversation. He is the guy, and I love Corday, but I think JID is just something incredible. Yeah, I think those two. I mean. It's so hard to judge the other young kids because, again, it's a genre of music, a genre of rap that I really don't engage with. You know, like, I can say Lil Baby is dope. I don't know how old Lil Baby is. Um, But for, like, that genre of rap, like, I can... He's palatable, which is a great compliment coming from him. I can't listen to half of it. Um, I listen to it, you know, ironically. Like, I listen to Coyle Ray. Yeah. (laughs) Just just to listen and to make fun of it. Um, the other last thing I want to talk about, because you sent me this, and I was like, yo, I got to put this on here. And it's odd that I say this to the end, because this might be a longer conversation than I thought. Yeah, about. No, it shouldn't be, because I know what you're about to bring up. This shouldn't be that long. <laughs> Is Pleasure P, yes, Pleasure <laughs> P, of the amazing group Pretty Ricky, legendary 2000s R&B group, is he a better hook maker? And I, I would guess song, like hit song maker, then Nate Dogg. Look, this, this was the. Uh, I look at my context. This was please. the <laughs> a segment that came out of uh, shout out to Spence who was here on our show while uh, the old man was at home last month, who also said Prince was whack. So this came from Spence's podcast. I actually took off because the entire West Coast was on him. On him heavy, because on his podcast, he was from seven this past week, and passing, it was a passing topic. And they were talking about how underrated Pretty Ricky is as a group. Don't laugh, I agree with this. this is, these are songs of my youth. Uh, so I like Pretty Ricky. I will go on record with that. I still, to this day, listen to Pretty Ricky. That's not wrong with that. Do you still hump furniture? No. I, I mean, back then, I wasn't necessarily humping Ottomans. But, what do you mean necessarily? Is there like figuratively humping furniture? No, I mean like, so you go to a party and then like, if someone's like on the ottoman, like it, there's Wait, direct. what ottoman is that a part? What party you there's, go to where there's ottomans laying around? No, people had like house parties and like their parents had like so, nice furniture and so, like, used to humps. Again, dog, this should be a very straightforward answer. This no, should be yes or no. In the 2000s, like ottomans were the humping furniture of choice. Did you Because hump you needed like furniture. a certain height. Of it, and you oh, needed no. like it to have no uh, no raised edges, so ottomans are all equal leveled. I don't even know what that so, means. It, it was, this it is was getting a, too far. It was a science. It was a science behind this. But no, I did not. No, no, no. It wasn't. I mean, I know people who did that, but I, I didn't do it myself. And no, right. this is not the case of like, yo, my friend in college did this. No, it's not one of those. Antoine's giving me the eyes. I really didn't do that. Um, it's like it's like we talk about these kids like doing drugs because of that, yeah. and y'all were humping furniture. I know people who did that. I know people who choreo like <laughs> two or three guys like who choreographed these dances. How like, yeah, like you. I remember this one very. I don't know. What is I it? guess we had MySpace back in the day, but when like one guy would like slide in 
do his home on the thing and then slide out and the next guy would slide in and it was like all choreographed. It was bananas, bro. There's like a it lot was of wild days. Like there's a lot of like little footstools that were were born out of all these humped Ottomans. So yeah. They were like they were like little baby. If you see little baby furniture, like RC Willie at Walker Furniture, is like they're abandoned children from all you furniture humpies. Y'all are yeah, disgusting. Y'all make me sick. We lived we lived in wild anyway, times get, back get in the back day. Back to the point about wild times back pretty in pretty Ricky. Oh four. And like their classic this is ridiculous. Go ahead. Pretty Ricky is a great group. I will say that all right. on record. Yeah. I can't be but better in B2K. Like Better than B2K. I don't even yeah. like B2K. Come on, man. Early 2000s didn't have much competition for like R&B groups, but right? B2K, like it's not the 90s. B2K was like a phenomenon. They were a phenomenon, but I think like Pretty their Ricky music. Pretty Ricky was not. Their music, I'll listen to Pretty Ricky before You would, B2K. but no, stop. Most anyway, would. get to the point because no, so, no. Anyway, yeah. Pleasure P, lead singer of Pretty Ricky, greater <laughs> at making choruses and hits than Nate Dogg. <laughs> Dog. This is the no. He mentions this again in past because he's trying to say how great Pleasure P is. And he's like, people sleep on him. And he, you know, his choruses, his writing, people sleep on this. And I don't know why, but out there, shout out to him. This is this is his hot take talent. I, I no text him this. Shout down. There's this. no shout out. Um, I was like, yo, you pull the wildest comparisons because he just pulled Nate Dogg out of the air. I was like, Nate Dogg and Pleasure P. Like, what a crazy comparison. And this then got me thinking, like, and people started listing out Nate Dogg's catalog of, like, hooks. That's all you need. This is what he, listed out his catalog of hooks. hooks. And then he was like, yeah, it's kind of mid. Mid? Oh, diet. Come diet. on, man. No, but Nate Dogg's incredible. You know how I feel. Come on. Next episode, I mean, we can go freeway with all my life. We can go regulate. Pleasure Peter's never regulate. No. Oh, he doesn't have a next like next Not episode. Many people have a regular. Dog. Let's just be. Let's start there. Nate Dog is the epitome of the hooks in gangster rap in the West Coast. There is he blessed fifty with a drunk. Everybody till I collapse still gets played. But I'm saying twenty one football like, game. Dog, you just mentioned twenty one questions. Yep. Come on, man. What does Pretty Ricky have? Love like honey. No, no, you're not, you're not. no. Yo, it's a guy, good song. Don't look at me like a, that. A question a mark song. needs to appear over my head because <laughs> no, pretty Ricky got some joints. No, he Pleasure doesn't. P by himself has, uh, I think, best friend number two is his like big single, big or boyfriend, boyfriend number two. Come, yes. If yes. you don't even remember the name, twenty-one questions. The next episode, regulate that. That's all I need. I'm just saying. We're not going to besmirch the name of Pretty Ricky. We are going to besmirch Pretty Ricky and Pleasure P. Pleasure P, got get out of here. Pre Pleasure P is not Nate Dogg. No. Pleasure P holds a specific place. In, in your heart. But in, in good early 2000s R&B. Him, um, Baby Blue was also in the group. Oh, my God. You're uh, just going to name the whole group now? Spectacular. They're, they're then, names. Uh, Slick Em, Lick Em Low was the last one. Their names sound like a bunch of horny... <laughs> Furniture humping <laughs> children are just like, I need a name. Ah, slick them, lick them low. Yeah, that's a good one. Come no, on, man. man. Do they have regular names? I don't Ple know what to tell you. Pleasure P is not even in the, he's not even in throwing distance. If I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm not, no, he's not even 50 yards down the field. There's so many better hook riders than Pleasure P. So many. So many. I mean, you skip over the dream. You skip but, over. All right, this is why I want to bring this up. Oh, first my of God. Yeah, I can't believe this is happening. Comparison is crazy, but it led us to a very good topic of my own, which is sensible in this degree, is 
if you had to give the Mount Rushmore, because we do Mount Rushmores all the time, no, of hip hop hook makers, like, I don't want to, I was writing this on the, on the rundown, and I was like, I can't call them hookers. I was like, but you know, like <laughs> the, the hip hop chorus makers, right? Like the, the, the real big hookers. Yes. But you know, people who don't even necessarily have to be like, they have a million solo hits or anything like that, or they could be. Who is on your Mount Rushmore? I'm because I'm going through. I'm like probably early '90s through. I mean, go now the present. Time. Look, look, it's it's really simple. It's Nate Dogg. It's Pharrell. No, Pharrell's not on my list. How is Pharrell not on your hook list? Nah, I think there's three other people that are. Go ahead, you give me yours. I'll go Nate because I, I mean, I hold him it's, in the highest regard. Yes, of course. T Pain. Yes. Chris Brown. Mm. Mm. For hooks, he's for up there. He's up there. And then Man. my last spot, I was really thinking about this. This might be like cheating. Does Drake count? Yes. Because he's kind of like, and yes. then Drake. Those are the four. Because I think T-Pain, hook for hook, higher than Pharrell in my mind. It's tough because Pharrell. Pharrell got a lot of joints with Jay. He got a like. I mean, come on, man. Fronting? Fronting's fire. I mean, fronting. T-Pain. Super Thug? T-Pain has so much. No, no. Like, T-Pain should be there. That's why it's like, there, there's like the, the Chris Browns of the world. Like, that's why he's up. He's definitely up there. Because a lot of hooks he shows up and he kills it. Yep. But like Pharrell, Nate Dogg, um, if you go back, like, dude, going back to, I can't get off this. The Dream, budget. the Dream has really good catalog yes. of like hooks. Too. Like, so I can't dream, like run on the Dream. I don't even know how Pleasure P ended up in this conversation. Cisco, <laughs> Usher, Casey, and JoJo. I can Ooh, go through anybody. Usher is good. They have hooks. Yeah. Pleasure P don't have hooks. <laughs> like Pleasure P is not on nobody. Like what number one single that's not a Pretty Ricky song did Pleasure P was we? Featured I'm on. not even sure if Pretty Ricky has a number one single. This is so de depressing. Why are we, dog? This is gross. Mary J almost crossed my list. Yeah, I mean, there's so Mary many. J got some joints. It's but it's T Pain was like T Pain is nuclear when it comes to making hooks. But like yeah. he had 2001 to like 2006, seven, just on lock. And like Drake is Drake. You put him on anything. It's, it's yeah. It's going number one. Yeah. But, I'm sure we're missing people. I mean, Tank has his written hooks. Like, there's... Tank writes a lot. That's some someone pointed out in our group chat. I was like, yo, his pen is just crazy. Yeah, great. he writes. There's so Justin many Timberlake has good hooks. But a lot of those are his own songs. Yeah, I, I won't... If you have... If it's just your songs... Yeah, you, No, no. You got to be, like, on enough stuff with other people. Like, Nate Dogg had an album, and nobody remembers it. I've never heard of Nate Dogg. Exactly. Dog that's the greatest hook writer of all time. Because people, he put out an album, people were like, I don't want that, just do it. Give me a hook. Because like, what's the point? I didn't come here for Nate Dogg to sing me songs. So give me 21 questions. Ain't give me all fun. my life. Give me, give, me, give me all the Nate Dogg hooks. But Nate Dogg came out with a, an album, and I was offended. Because I was like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask you to play all these positions. At but, all. Don't me oops. That's, he is not Debo Samuel. No. You're a one-trick pony, sir. Yes. Do not try to do everything. But that man was the... Like, how... Yo. Shout out to Max B. Listen, listen, listen. The rated hook, hook guy in the hood. Spence is your guy. He is. He's he, literally... If I'm the human hot take machine, he's a whole different level. This chair right here? <laughs> never again. Oh, I got to have y'all both in the same building. The, the Prince what? take was wild. But... 
No, I'll cut his mic. I'll Bill O'Reilly him. I will shut the mic off. Like, how, if you call him Prince Mid, saying Pleasure Peace better than... Like, he's just saying stuff. There is... Here's what I love. Because he comes from the same school of thought that you do, where you just say things with no context. Not true. It is. You say these hot takes, and you just be like, yeah, that's it. And I'm like, no. and Because there's no facts that support anything about Pleasure P. Not a single fact. Listen, I'm not going to call it Pleasure P. You got to hear Nate, dog. No, because there's no facts. But I, I feel like when I say, like, Chris Brown and beat Usher in a versus, I can kind of stand on it. You, that, I'm not mad at that. There's yeah, an yeah. argument to be had about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. To pimp a butterfly is completely subjective. That, the, that hot take the, really pissed you off. Yes, <laughs> and it still does. But... <laughs> To say Pleasure P makes great, better hooks than Nate Dog? No. I mean, there's nothing. I'm calling the cops. If you do a, a hook versus hook versus, there's not many people who are pulling 20 hooks like Nate Dog. There's Dogg's nobody that's beating Nate Dog in a hook battle except maybe Drake because the young audience will identify with Drake. But if it's a bunch and of hip hop heads. just a legit star. Yeah. If this is a bunch of hip hop heads and, you know, rest in peace, Nate Dog. But if Nate Dog walked in the room and just started doing hooks, there's people like, oh, I know that one. Like the next episode. Is a classic hook. What name a rhyme off of that song? Nobody can remembers any rhymes off of that song at all. You just remember smoke weed every day. Hey. You don't care about <laughs> anything else. Didn't have a remix too. Yeah, nobody. But nobody cares. That's how great Nate Dogg was at making hooks. Ugh. Yo, Nate Dogg. We I will mean, never talk about Pleasure P on this podcast ever again. What? No, I cannot make that promise to our audience. Mm, okay. I mean, Pretty Ricky is really good. I'm trying to see Nate Dogg's catalog of like hits because I feel like it's so much missing on that. It's, um oh he has joints with Fab. Everybody. Can't deny it. Yes. Crazy. Everybody. Is his album called Music and Me? Yes. <laughs> if I remember correctly it was a double album too. Which it was even more baffling because it was like, dog, you have you have more than one song I want to listen to? I don't think so. No, no, I guess not. Yeah. Poor Nate Dog. But yeah, no, nah, um man, but I was like, yo, we gotta talk about that. Just because it's funny. Just because it's disrespectful. <laughs> I was at South by Southwest when Nate Dogg passed. And after he passed, Snoop was in town. And I actually had to go interview Snoop. We had a dope house party. And they did a concert that night that was already planned. It was called Respect the West Concert. Hmm. And it ended up becoming a Nate Dogg tribute. And they just did like Nate Dogg songs. Corrupt flew in. Quick was there. It was incredible. And people were just like, yo, like Nate Dogg's the greatest. Like, that's crazy. That's like saying... There's so much on here. Now I found Nate Dogg Essentials. Nothing beats Ain't No Fun. No. Like, and it's the most egregiously, <laughs> like, like you, you play Ain't No Fun today, everybody's going to jail. Homies can't have no. Everybody's oh. going to jail. It's like, oh, this is rape culture. Like, what do we, you can't play that song today. Most Deaf and Feral Mancho. Oh, yes, no. oh, no. Come on, man. Oh, Time's Up by Jada. Lay Low. Gotta lay low. Doug. It's so much. Tony Delk, I use this comparison all the time. Area codes. Tony Delk scored 50 points in the game. He's not better than LeBron James. Yeah, that's true. Like, Pleasure P, has, he'll have a hit. He's not better than LeBron. Pleasure like, P, though. It's so, like, no, not Miguel. We're not doing this. Like, Miguel. Like, I could have gave, like, yeah, all right. I, but, he's not top five in his own era. That's what was so funny. It's like, how do you, Because, like, from, like, say you want to do, like, cheesy, like, He's not, I don't know, he's not a Marion. He's not any of them. <laughs> you gave this man life. <laughs> Pleasure you, P. You gave Spence he was, life. No, he was trending. Pleasure P ended up trending. Garbage. On Friday night. 
Garth. That shit had me in tears. The power of the hot take, man. I love the power I, of the hot take. I think y'all do it just to get people like me upset to talk about things. My my hot takes come from very genuine places. Genuinely to piss me off. I mean, they happen to piss you off. Like, no, this, no, there's this no way you come into the room. It's sheer just, coincidence. Sometimes I do know, like, yo, you know what? Dre's not going to like this. You know but it. I still, it you, brings a smile to my face. You take the safety it. off the gun and you come in here and <laughs> just say some wild stuff. Usually I'm spot on. Usually I at least get three people to agree. As long as I get It ain't hard people. on Twitter because people on Twitter are stupid. They just agree with anything. <laughs> so it ain't hard to find somebody to agree yeah, with you. I found zero people to agree on this, Nate. That's and that's why I love the hot. The hot take is so hot. It's crazy. It's flaming. We shouldn't even call them hot takes. That's a dumb take. It's hot. It's a flaming. It's awful. I love hot Ugh. takes. I love it. I miss. I need my next great hot take. It's just, I don't know, man. It's hard to just pull them out of the blue. So I got to I gotta really. I mean, we, we had one of our listeners send us a bunch of the get rid of one things. But yes. I think we agree on a lot of them. We agreed on a lot of them. Like, even those get kind of tough. Um... Shout out to Boom Bap Dash, who sent it over. Like, those get tough because it's like, depending on how they do it. When you only got to remove one, it's like, it can only be so hot. Oh, I guess my last hot take was uh, Ferris Bueller's mid, in which someone tagged me. They were watching Ferris Bueller yesterday. And they're like, man, this movie is so classic. Like, it has so many moments. It is incredible. And I was like, you know how I feel about this. That's all I responded. Yeah. You, you... You oh, said, and Scream. You called me out on that again yesterday. Yes, Scream is incredible, and you said it was not good. And What is wrong with you? It's all right. Ugh. It's cool. Scream, I'm not, I'm not doing this with you. <laughs> I, I don't got time. I just don't have time. We have a boxing podcast, and I want to talk yeah, about We got time for this. Uh, shout out to everyone who watched the new Scream, though. I've you know what? great things. I want to pull up the I one. I may watch the new You should, but you don't like scary movies. No, but Scream I could watch. Like, it, it doesn't really, like... It's not going to keep me up at night. Like, I don't like scary movies because I'm still scared of the dark. <laughs> like, uh, I don't want Ooh. to have dreams about these things. So, like, it's counterproductive to my peace. At night. Look, look, we'll do this real quick, and I'll see, I'll see if there's anything that you stray from. While we do this, producer Cole, Bebe, Antoine, you got Mike in there, too, I believe. Chime in if you guys want to give me your answers as well to these as Drake goes down. All right, so the first one that was sent was, Boys in the Hood, Juice, Men's Society, or Belly. One has to go. Belly got to go. It's, it's absolutely Belly. There's no question that it's Belly. Hands down, right? Somebody's like, going to listen to this show, and they're going to say Juice, and I'm going to punch him in the face. I don't, this is not a hot... Belly's not a great movie. Belly's Belly a bad movie. great scenes. Belly is a comically bad movie. <laughs> with a fun, it's not it a is. great movie. It, it's comically bad with some... It, it looks phenomenal. Yeah. Hype Williams shot the hell out of it. But in terms of a story and Nas being and Nas and T-Boz being terrible together on screen <laughs> and T-Boz Af Africa, that's far. Right. That being, <laughs> that's like, a classic line. It's a classically <laughs> terrible line. That movie's got to go. It's unquestionable. Ne right. The next one, it was funny because you didn't know what one of these was. You can only bring back one. You have to bring back one. Soul Train. Oh, you can only bring back one. Yes. Okay. Soul Train, the Apollo video soul of Midnight Love. And it was funny because you don't know what Midnight Love is. I have no clue what Midnight Love is. Midnight Love was all the R&B songs that were played at 9 o'clock Pacific times. It was midnight on the East Coast. and it was just, Yeah. And it was just like Luther Vandross and Anita Baker. Like, that's all they played. I, all you need to know about me growing up during my youth is that I did not watch BET. I was on the East Coast between 12 and 3. But at 3 a.m., it was on and popping. So, Joker the Bell Bonds, 
is not on here because that would be the runaway favorite. Yeah, but if you can only, if you only bring back one, it's very difficult because Soul Train is is redefined an era. But like Video Soul was like my joint because Donnie Simpson was incredible. Showtime of the Apollo people love as well. So it's like... And they would have to come back with different hosts, which would be a problem. Like, yeah. That's would, problematic. None of these but, could come back unless they have the original host. I'm bringing back Soul Train. I'll let you know why. Um, Video Soul was cool. Uh, yeah, give me look, Soul Train because I like to dance. I like um, the live performance every week. It's like super dope. I still watch those on YouTube. Like go back and watch some of the live performances. I love those. Apollo, amazing show. Obviously, it's in Harlem. It's great. I can't... And this is still something me to this day. I can't watch people be bad when they sing or when they rap. I'll change the channel. Like, it gives me, like, goosebumps. It makes me cringe. I can't watch American Idol, like, audition joints. If someone's bad, it makes me feel bad, and, like, I got to change it. So in the Apollo, like, when they say, man, come like, it made me feel bad. So I'd, I would watch it with people, but I'd, like, look away or, like, cringe, so I wouldn't bring it back. Because I don't like to see people fail in front of a huge audience that makes me feel bad like oh my god if we did a live show and we bombed no so, coming back. so there's no wrong answer for that one. no to, to me i'm gonna skip over the next one because the next one's tough all right the, here, here's this one is easy wait 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 hold on I'm, I'm gonna go to the bottom first producers one gotta go dilla pete rock kanye west or premiere that is so tough and that's me you know my my love of of Illmatic and like that early 90s era but Pete Rock gotta go Pete Rock's gotta go I love Pete Rock <laughs> but Dilla's definitely not going Dilla Primo's going absolutely not going no. Kanye as much as we hate him as a person now man make classic music my problem is is he's out of their era yeah well that's so you kind of stuck him in I, yeah like if this was Q-Tip now we're talking because it's same area same yeah. era same kind of thing and maybe maybe Pete Rock hangs around Instead of Q-tip, but I think I still keep tip in there instead. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Anyway, it gets tough. Yeah, but, at least with but that. anything that has Dylan, I'm never getting rid of Dylan. Sorry, guys, Dylan just—he's incredible. Uh, th this one, I know your answer. to This one, easy. Cosby Show, Jeffersons, Sanford and oh, Son, Good Times. Nope, 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 nope. I'm skipping that one. I'm leaving that one for last. Oh. Cosby Show, Jeffersons, Good Times, Sanford Son. Which one's got to go? So I did this to troll you. I know you did. But can I be, like, honest? Be honest. If I am honest, Sanford and Son got to go. Ooh! I didn't think you was going to do that. I don't like Sanford and Son at all. So. Whoa! I've just never gotten in. I didn't find it, like, um, over, like... I love Red Fox. Red is incredible. I've watched Red's, like, stand-ups and stuff like that. Incre I never got into Sanford and Son. Not saying that it's a bad show. It was just never my thing when it was on... Uh, it wasn't on Nick at Night, but, you know, when, like, what W... BN or WGN, I mean, whatever the station is from Chicago, that random WGN randomly ran in the hood in the Bronx for no reason. Yeah. And you could always watch like, and again, why I didn't like the Knicks because the Bulls were on every night. So <laughs> when you be like, yo, why is like some people Knicks fans in New York and some people my age, not Knicks fans at all. And we just love Jordan. It's because they pumped in WGN every night and we could watch that. So um, yeah, Sanford and Son, when it played, it wasn't great, but no, one got to go. Cosby Show got to go. I don't no, like you, the Cosby Don't do it. <laughs> good, good Times is my pick. I never was a big Good Times. I, I love Jefferson's. I love Cosby Show, obviously. I love San Francisco. Good Times. Jefferson's even, so good. Good Times could be corny with the dynamite. Yeah. So the ending of the good, of good Times is like one of the worst. Like yes. one last season. So the last one, which is this is the one that's going to get people to fight. 
Only built for Cuban links. Reasonable doubt. Illmatic. Ready to die. Which one's got to go? I didn't blink an eye. Only built for Cuban links is out of here. I know. It Quick, is, fast. It is Sorry, so, Justin Ivey. Shouts out to Reverse Rat Pack member. It got to go. And that's one of his favorite albums all time. I, I love it. got to go. I love the purple tape. Yep. I love the purple tape. No, you're never going to get rid of Illmatic. And you're never going to get rid of Ready to Die. You just can't. No. Right? That leaves Reasonable Doubt, which I listen to like weekly. I rank Reasonable Doubt ahead of Ready to Die. I don't. As an album, I think, personally. But I, I think they're... I think they're both like neck and neck. Yeah. And I, I love, like, if, if this was any other list, I'd find a way to keep the purple tape on here. Because I love criminology. I love verbal intercourse. It's just this begrudgingly, I would get rid of yeah. only Bill for Cuban. These are my three favorite rap albums ever. If I had to rank one through like 10, my favorite rap album, this is one, two, and three. So wow. I go Illmatic, Reasonable Doubt, Ready to Die. It's one, two, and three. And then we can start the list. Then we go to like, Equipment Eye, then we can go like and start like running down the list of my favorite rap albums. See, so nothing, nothing egregious. You're only there's gonna be people that are gonna fight us over Cuban Links, and I understand because Cuban Links is incredible. And the Cosby show was corny. Well, that, I'm not gonna, but is it cornier than Good Times? I, I, I Probably really not. Didn't, I really didn't like Good Times growing up. I really didn't. I could see it like. That was definitely, looking back, as a kid, it didn't bother me, right? Like growing up, and it was so, like, before I my time, it. I watched oh, it, JJ like, it didn't bother me. Drove me nuts. But, like, looking back now, it was definitely, like, the caricature of a black family. Like, it was, it was very, like, it became very JJ-centric very fast. Yeah. And not in a good way. Like, when Family Matters became very Urkel-centric, Ugh. I was like, cool. No, I didn't like that either. I love Urkel. No. Mm-mm. Family <laughs> Matters is whack. And that's, that's <laughs> I, I'll stand with that one. Family Matters did not age well. It's hard to watch. It's hard to go it's back now. Stalker tendency, bro. You really, you ruined Family Matters for me. Single-handedly, you what, ruined you it mean? for me. When you said that Carl Winslow is a horrible father because he let the girl go upstairs and she was never seen again. She never came back. I was like, yo, I never saw her after that episode. Gone. I never missed her because they put so much stock in uh, Lil, what's his face? Who, Urkel, Laura, and Lil Richie? Lil Richie. Yeah. And then, like, he did, like, the Michael Jackson stuff. So I never missed the girl oh, going Judy upstairs and never coming back. But, yeah, Judy was just... She disappeared, and then she popped up, like, 10 years later, like, doing porn. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so it's like, terrible father. Carl Winslow was an awful father. <laughs> he was a cop. How are you a cop? And you let the girl disappear, and she pops up <laughs> years later in adult film. My mm, bad, bad, just, bad, bad. They didn't investigate him. It was all bad. Yeah. Yeah, so, nah, we agreed on many of those. Uh, <laughs> uh, pleasure people. Greater than Nate Dogg. So that's a great way to end that segment. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we're supposed to talk about, and that is boxing. Just going to hit some of the hot topics in boxing, and then we'll get into our recap of Joe Smith Jr. and our preview of Gary Russell Jr. to wrap up the show. Don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, everyone, we are back, and it's time to talk about what we were supposed to talk about, and that is boxing. Wait, we weren't supposed to talk about the mystery of whether or not you were dry humping furniture? Listen, this here nor there, man. And I'm telling you, it's here. it didn't happen, but there's more that goes into me saying yes or no, no than not. just a simple yes no. or no answer. You asked me, hey, Andreas, did you hump an ottoman? Nope. Very easy answer. No, but then there could be like a third party involved. Like, there's a lot going on. So listen, third party. Listen, there's a lot of there's a lot of different <laughs> but, things going on. Was, in this was there also like a, a a rocking chair involved? Like, is there, what is what is a lot going on here? All right. So <laughs> that's the short answer is no. Well, that's I the short. Not. That's the only answer that you should be delivering here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and our boxing kind of roundabout conversation that we're gonna have now. Um, where do I want to start? Let's start from the top. Terrence Crawford leaves top rank. Um, our partner at ESPN. I'm at ESPN, obviously. Be careful. And don't fly too close to the sun on this one. No, I'm good. Listen, I'm just teeing it up. All right. I'm just teeing it up. Uh, I love all y'all as our listeners. I love Blue Wire Studios. Everyone here. I ain't losing my job. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not dumb. So, uh, but it's just in the news cycle is news. Bud Crawford leaves top rank. He is a free agent. Let me put it this way. The day before this lawsuit comes out by Bud, and I'll explain the lawsuit. The day before, there's a report on Boxing Scene, I believe, where they get a quote from PBC, a PBC executive, that says, and I'll paraphrase, that says, it's hard to make Spence Crawford because Crawford doesn't have a history of drawing or selling. We, there's nothing to justify the amount of money that he is asking for to make this deal. They have that with Spence and they can put it on paper and put it down and explain why he should make more than Terrence Crawford. That was day one. A day goes by. The next day, it is announced that Terrence Crawford is suing Top Rank for his treatment and Top Rank and Bob Aaron for showing favoritism to white and Latino boxers, promoting them better and racists, what was the word? Racist. It was like a very specific word um, in the documents. I forgot what it was called, which was going to be very hard to prove, I think. But, um, but pretty much racist treatment towards him and his career. And it didn't just stop at him, towards their black stable of fight. This is the lawsuit he put forth. He's, uh, there's some damages in there to the tune of like six mil. There was some wording and verbiage that said they promised him the Spence fight or they promised him a Pacquiao fight if he uh, fought Mean Machine, which he did, that his next fight would be against one of those two. So he was like, cool, I'll, I'll go. I'll fight on ESPN against a mandatory. He didn't want to fight mandatory. That ended up not being the case. His fight after that was Kel Brook, I believe, and then that was it. And then he was out of his deal. So that's the lawsuit as it stands. It'll go through court. And here we are. My, I'll pass the mic to you, but my only thoughts in this is it casts a very large, large web with all of the things he said. I, I would like to know if he's suing. This is something I don't get from him. The treatment of top rank and Bob Arum to all black fighters under their umbrella. For how long does he go back? Or is it just very specific to his career and what it did? 
I don't have those answers yet. Um, and then I know, you know, I have my own opinions on this, you know, off the mic, I guess. Um, but yeah, where do you stand on when this came up? Uh, I don't like, just like when we talked about the whole Big Swole thing with Tony Khan. I don't want to say that Terrence Crawford didn't experience anything yep. behind the scenes at Top Rank. I'm not going to discredit that. <coughs> the lawsuit, on the other hand, and the specific examples he used. Yeah. One, uh, they were supposed to use a Black Lives Matter on the canvas, and they didn't. So that's racist. No, that's not racist. They just said no. Yeah. If, that, if that's what happened, but you got to have some documentation to prove that this was put forth, and Bob said no, and what was the reason why? Doesn't make it racist. If that was the case, Dana White would be getting sued every week. <laughs> Very true. It's not, that's not racist. <coughs> Where Terrence Crawford kind of shoots himself in the foot in his team is they bring up Bob Arum and his history of dealing with people. Yes. The example they bring up is calling UFC fighters homosexuals and skinheads. That means he hates white people too then, right? Doesn't really help your case that he's racist towards black people. It just means that Bob Arum hates everybody equally. <laughs> and in terms of a lawsuit, like you could say, we can accuse people of doing anything. Well, where are the facts? Yeah. Do I think that Bob Arum knows how to promote black fighters? No, not necessarily. I think most promoters don't know how to promote black fighters because they're not black. Yep. <laughs> and they don't have a lot of people on their team that are black, right? When, and I say this all the time, like there's no country for a black fighter. Latino fighters, on the other hand, Mexican fighters, they have a country. Very easy to say, oh, we should do this fight in a place that has a high volume of Latino Hispanic community. Let's do Kodos fighting in New York because we have a ton of Puerto Rico. That's, that's easy. Yep. There's nothing to figure out. Black fighters are a lot more difficult to figure out because there is no country. Yep. They're not staging fights in Africa. <laughs> right? <laughs> like even in I mean, America. he has in his history. He has. Yes. But I'm saying that. <laughs> he might be the only one that can say there's, there's not, there's not a, uh, a place where you go. I mean, and, and then if you really wanted to argue it, they did stage Shakur Stevenson in Atlanta. Yeah, it's... I can speak on Shakur outside of this. And I'll say this, and you touched on it. There's, there's times where it's very hard for a promoter to promote fighters where they don't necessarily understand the culture. One thing I've seen from Top Rank recently, even just my time at ESPN, is that they now have been more open. I don't know what forced this change. I don't know what it was before me or maybe fighters didn't push for it or whatever, um, to kind of lean on the fighters' camps to push some of these things. The fighters have handlers or they have people, like, you know, like, technically, um, PBC isn't, like, a huge entity. Like, you know, like, um, they don't have a Bob Arum, but they do. You know, right. like, Al Heyman isn't a promoter. Right. He's an advisor. Yes. So, now... Top Rank has been able to lean on advisors to help with some of this. So when you look at Shakur Stevenson, Jay Prince has a heavy hand in helping Shakur Stevenson. So when Jay Prince is like, as his advisor, we want Shakur to fight in Atlanta, if this is how it went. We want Shakur to fight in Atlanta. He's going to get walked out by Quavo. He's going to do That's an advisor taking a hand, helping out the promoter to better promote their black fighter. 
Yeah. Jay Prince is like, I know black people. I know hip hop. I've been in this for a long time. I know Kanye. Like, I, I can have all of these things at the fight. I can make sure that this feels like a bigger deal and all this stuff. And then Top Rank was like, cool. So, I, again, I don't know if I can attribute that specifically to Bob Arum or if that matters at all in this case with Terrence Crawford. But I do know Shakur has the leeway to have his camp and his advisor help him where maybe Bud did not have him. Uh, let's be clear. We've been covering this sport for a long time. Very I've, long time. I've covered Terrence Crawford when he fought greatest Prescott at the Hard Rock in a very boring third fight from the main event. It was, <laughs> it was a terrible fight. I never knew the Bud would turn into the Bud that he was. In all the years that I've, I've covered Terrence Crawford, he has done himself zero favors in terms of marketability. And he has nobody to blame but himself. When opportunities are given for Terrence Crawford to be put in front of people and speak, he doesn't. A perfect example, Sean Porter fight. Sean Porter isn't even on, under top rank, but he carried that promotion. A lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> he did, I mean, he did all the, even if you look at the press conference, yeah. Terrence didn't say anything. So if, if you want to file a lawsuit, all Bob's going to do is say, well, you didn't play ball. That's it. Like, how can I market you if, you, if you're giving one more answers in interviews? Yeah. How can I make you a bigger star if you're not cooperative? Like, it, it, there's a part of it that has to do with the fighter as well. It would be one thing if Bud did everything in his power to be marketable and Bob was limiting his opportunities. Perfect then example. Then you might have a case. The WWE didn't... I'll use Big E as a perfect example. The WWE didn't crack the market really until he became champion. Then he did the Breakfast Club and all these other things. They gave him those opportunities. He took off with it. If the WWE and he was champion, they were like, nah, you're not doing that. Nah, you're not doing that. Now you have a case because the opportunity to have to market myself, you are limiting. But Terrence Crawford has been, I don't know, he needs a, a proof of where he was like, I should be on this. And then Bob was like, I don't think that's a good idea. They don't have that. There's nothing in the lawsuit that shows that. Yeah. Does that, now here's the thing. Does that mean that Bob Arum doesn't have a bias or could he be racist? No, not at all. The burden of proof is on you as a plaintiff to tell, explain why the defendant is racist. And then the defendant has to come back and say, no, I'm not. And here's why. I looked at that lawsuit, all 24 pages of it, and I was like, man, this is very frivolous. We're a litigious country. We can sue for anything, right? Yeah. I could walk out of here right now, trip and fall, and I could sue the entire win. And it doesn't mean I'll win, but I could sue, and maybe the win is like, this sucks, and we're going to settle civilly. We'll take this civil, we'll give you some money, shut up, leave us alone because we don't feel like dealing with this. Yeah. That's how America functions. And that's what this case reads like. Because if you're going to sue for damages, like if you're going to say, well, you promised you the Spence fight. Well, doesn't Spence have to agree to that fight? Doesn't, yep. doesn't PBC, Al Heyman, don't they, Showtime, who, like <coughs> you have networks involved. You can't promise me what somebody else is going to do. If I'd say, oh yeah, well, Kel's coming to this thing. Yeah, I'm going to make it happen. Then you don't show up. You'd be <laughs> mad at me, but I can't promise what you can do. And then you're suing for damages and all this money you lost. Where? If I'm Manny Pacquiao. Hypothetical money. Manny Pacquiao fought Jeff Horn in Australia. Manny Pacquiao made a lot of money because Jeff Horn is highly marketable in Australia. And Australia was willing to be like, hey, we're going to pay all this money. I'm a promoter. My job is to promote. I'm going to put you where you're the most visible. Granted, Manny Pacquiao lost that fight. It was huge for Australia. Yep. Massive fight. 
why would I fight Terrence Crawford and maybe in front of 14,000 people at the MGM when I could fill up a stadium somewhere else? Because Terrence Crawford don't sell. Great fighter. Amazing fighter. Easily top five pound for pound. Some people he's number one. Some people he's number three. Wherever you put Terrence Crawford. But if Terrence Crawford walked through the wind right now, nobody cares. Yep. Maybe like a few people. Like, oh, it's Terrence Crawford. <laughs> but other than that, it, and that's, that's, not, that's not saying that racism prevented him from doing his job. Again, I reiterate, it doesn't mean that Bob Aaron, like I've seen people like write these pieces like, Bob Aaron's such a great person. Don't do that. Especially we don't know Bob. Like, Granted, we don't know anybody no, but that's behind what I'm closed doors. Like, like, I could be friends with Harvey Weinstein, right? Like, I could have known Harvey Weinstein for all these years. And then all these women were like, Harvey Weinstein was like following me and all this stuff. And I go, I know Harvey. He wouldn't do that. No, you don't because no. you weren't there. Yeah. So there's all these people that are writers who have been cool with Bob that have been coming out saying, Bob Aram's not a racist. I know it. No, you don't. Don't do that. You don't know. Unless you guys are close, you don't know. People hide shit from their wives and they lay That's next to them every day. Like, you don't know anybody. You, you really don't. So, so for writers to go to bat for Bob and saying that he's not a racist is dumb. The, the only facts that are important here are, is there proof? Show me an email. Yeah, I, I hope there's something here. Because if you're levying these allegations, you got to have something that proves that Bob Arum was like, I don't like black people. Or something, something that prevented him from, from succeeding. I don't know what we're saying. There we go. Does it matter? Now, yeah, this matters. is where I ask. Does the PBC comments and this have any attachment? Because really, did he just need to win the court of public opinion? No. On to why he did not sell as much as Errol Spence and give a reason in the court of public opinion now people say he does deserve what Spence deserves because he just happened to be held down. No, because guess what? Terrence Crawford's next fight ain't going to sell. Well, I mean, it's, it's not. his job now to make right. sure that's but That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. not only have you, now you've alienated yourself because who wants to deal with this problem? Somebody. Everybody knows it's a great fighter. Yeah. But the money that he's asking for, it needs to be justified. And if I'm a promoter... He ain't going backwards in money. No. And if I'm a promoter and I look at a 34-year-old Terrence Crawford who wants the lion's share of the money but can't draw flies and shit, and I'm a promoter, I'm like, I don't need that. I got these other fighters. Yeah. When I you're not in a contracted deal, that becomes really hard. So, so even the court of public opinion, because yes, that statement came out the day before the lawsuit, but they've been playing this lawsuit for a while. Yep. You don't just file a lawsuit the day of. They've been planning this, right? Because Bud wants to leave. The other problem with this argument is, why did you re-sign with top rank if you had this issue? You had an opportunity to, to cut your ties and move forward as a Three free agent. Years ago. Yes. Okay. And you chose to re-sign with Bob Arum knowing what you know? That's on you. At a certain point, it's on you. Everybody's experience is different. I worked at BET. I hated it. <laughs> I, said there was so, I said so many bad things about BET. You left. <laughs> yeah, and I was out. There are other people that worked at BET that didn't have my experience. And if they go, Andres didn't experience that, they're lying because I did. You can't talk about my experience. You can talk about yours. You can't talk about mine. Doesn't mean it didn't exist. But if I was to file a lawsuit, <laughs> I have to prove this now. Yeah. I don't think Terrence has much to stand on. My, my bigger concern is that I think we're going to have this conversation about Terrence maybe five years from now of what could have been. 
Because as great as he was, as is, I don't know where he goes from here. Are you just talking legacy? I'm talking about his career. Like, listen. Because he, he still has the potential to prove a lot yeah, if who, we talk about who's paying him. They'll, they'll pay him to fight the young kids. Honestly. Who? who? Top rank isn't. I, I, I don't think. The zone I, will pay him to fight Virgil. The zone could pay him to fight Virgil. No, they'll pay him but, the five, six mil that top rank gave him. But now. But then what? Because I think in the documents, they laid out like how much he made. So it was like four mil, six mil. You know, I think his last fight, he made like six, seven mil. They'll pay him the six, seven mil. But if you feel like you were held down, the top rank did you dirty, is that six, seven mil lowballing? That's because now then you're saying you deserved 10 to 12. So will the zone pay him 10 to 12? No. Oh no. Ma- I mean, Matchroom US, like no, they, they could use another star. No, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Hearn will not pay him 12 million for a fight. He won't. He paid Triple G a, a good amount. That but but that was in hopes, that was a the zone thing. And and Eddie came in. It, it like Triple G's not signed to Matchroom. Okay. So like still sign at what cage? Yeah, uh, I can't something like that. K two, some somewhere. But if I'm Terrence Crawford, and I come in and I say I want twelve million as a one off, as a free agent. I'm like, get out of here! I'm not giving you that. I need to have you. You need to be mine. Yeah. And if you're mine, I'm not paying you twelve million because I have nobody for you to fight. If you beat Virgil Ortiz, what's next? What am I doing? Who, who am I gonna put you in there with? PBC. I know what PBC is doing. They're looking at this and they're like, good luck. We don't need you. Like, we, we seriously, Errol Spence ain't going to be here much longer. He's going to 54. Yeah. Keith Thurman, yeah, it could be a good fight. Could be. Could, it could like, be a really good fight. It could be a great fight, but I ain't paying you $12 million for that fight. Keith going to want half. Right. Keith going to want 50-50 or A-side money? And, if you put numbers on the not, table. Not even Keith. Al will be like, no, because <laughs> you're not signed to me, and I'm not signing a 34-year-old fighter that could be on the backside of his career for a ridiculous amount of money, and you can't draw. You're a great fighter, but I don't care. You can't draw. Terrence would come back and say, I can draw. Give me the opportunity, and I'll show you I can. No. Like, if he's like, yo, Al, I'll sign you. No. As an advisor, and I promise you I can draw. No. Because the hardest fighter to market in America is a black fighter. Period. Because unless you're a criminal, <laughs> I mean, infamous. Let's just be, let's be honest here, right? Because one of the things that Terrence brought up was that, that Bob was saying, you know, Floyd Mayweather shoots up cars, whatever. Floyd has had a checkered past. Like, he has domestic issues. They, if Bob brought that, he's not lying. They exist. They, they were accusations. Whether they're true or not, depends on who you were around. But Floyd is infamous for his antics and the things he got in trouble for. He went to jail. Yes. Right? But he's also the most popular fighter. Sean Porter is the nicest guy I've ever met. Very he, nice. He don't draw. It's hard to sell Sean Porter. It's easy to sell Mike Tyson because Mike Tyson is the Robin Givens and all that. It's easy to sell that. It's easy to sell Floyd Mayweather because Floyd Mayweather took it upon himself. Yep. The black fighter is the hardest fighter to sell. Tank, the Tank hardest. sells a ton in comparison to everyone else. Tank has some checkered pass. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, Tank is young with this checkered pass. Yes. Terrence Crawford... You've had, like, you're 34. If you haven't sold by now, what's going to change? You don't have a country for me to sell you to. The opponent has to be the selling point. Right? And, and that's well, the hard part. You're only it, selling against Keith. You're only selling against Errol at this point. Canelo fights 
me or you tomorrow. Yeah. He's still drawing. Yep. Right? So it's the hardest fighter to, to market and sell is a black fighter. And if you have not done yourself any favors and you're asking for Canelo money or $12, $15 million, and I'm Al Heyman, I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Nah, prove you could do it on your own. How about that? How about you start your own promotion company and show me that you can fill up an arena that's not in Omaha? That's going to be tough. That's my point. So how do I justify this cost? Unless he signs with Schaefer. Look, look. I mean, which really, I saw Regis in Dubai. And uh, Regis signed with Schaefer. Yeah, he was pro Bellum. Yeah. Pro Bellum. And Terrence was out there that same weekend. I mean, it's probably The whole week. So they got a I lot think, of money. Yeah, I think Terrence might be like a pro Bellum guy going forward. I mean, the tea leaves. Yeah. I don't have any inside info. But if you read the tea leaves and everyone who was in Dubai for that thing, and it seems like pro Bellum probably is going to pay Terrence Crawford. Again, who do you fight? I don't know who. That's. That's the dilemma. I think Terrence Crawford is a phenomenal fighter. Maybe. Because look, the fight that could have been made and it probably won't be made now is Josh Taylor versus Terrence Crawford. Yep. Right? But if I'm Bob Barron, I'm like, I'm not doing business with you. Like, what's it worth? How much do I have to pay you to do business? I ain't doing that. Yeah. So that's why I think Terrence Crawford is going to be like one of these stories where he's like, he was a great fighter, but he didn't end up fighting everybody. He wasn't like Miguel Cotto who fought everybody. Right? Sean Porter fought everybody. Terrence Crawford's got a lot of holes on his resume. Like, Errol Spence, if, if Keith Thurman looks good against Mario Barrios, and for some reason Errol Spence is just hanging around, they could fight. That fight could finally happen. Yep. Right? Like, th- these fights could happen. I mean, Errol Ugas is another report that's yeah. out there. Looks like it's People done. Stepped over, yeah, stepped aside, just waiting on the date. Yeah, they figured the it out. Location. But you look at Terrence, and Terrence comes in and is like, well, I want more than all of them. And it's like, no. They're going to offer him whatever Ugas got. Yeah, like, no, no. Prove you can sell. And prove that you can sell on your own. Like I said, Canelo can fight anybody. He's going to sell out a building. Anybody. Because Mexico, even though Mexico, there's some apathy towards Canelo as well. But he's a star. He's a proven star. Like, when you talk about Oscar De La Hoya, Oscar De La Hoya was a proven star. He could Golden Boy Promotions because Oscar De La Hoya was such a big star. Floyd Mayweather bet on himself. He said, Bob Aaron doesn't know how to market black fighters. Floyd was like, you know what? I'm going to buy myself out of my contract and do it on my own. Me and Al Heyman. Yep. And he did it. That's what Terrence Crawford has to do. Ain't nobody paying that boy that much money. I think he's a great fighter, but dog, I don't know who's fighting him at this point. It's going to be tough. Or you got to take, you know, you got to take the split. You got to take 65-35 and bet on himself. He, ha- he has to find, that's the one that he has to finally say, you know what? I'll show you. Instead of trying to command the lion's share of the split, if you're that good, because I, I, I hate when Terrence would do this stuff. I don't need Errol Spence. Yes, you do. Yeah. You have one title. You do need Errol Spence. Oh, I want even money with Errol Spence. You're not going to get it. So now what are you going to do? Yeah. Question becomes, if you say, just like you did, say probellum stuff off the table, right? But if you say, A, promote yourself, right? What, what is his thing? TBC or something? T. Bud Crawford's like his yeah, thing. whatever. So TBC, promote yourself. Well, now you're not cutting top rank in on the deal. No. Not cutting Bob in on the deal. So that 35, promoting yourself on the 65-35, goes a lot further than if you were signed to top rank and you had to do 65-35. Yeah, but the problem is, here's, here's the next thing. What network are you going to fight on? You're going to fight where arrows fight. No, but I'm, I'm saying, like, if you don't fight Arrow. No, like, I'm talking about for an Arrow fight. Oh, if fight. it was an Arrow fight. Yeah, if yeah. they come to you with 65-35, yeah. you're like, yo, 
I don't got to cut any. There's no middleman anymore. Yeah. So I'm getting all 35. But it's, it's Terrence's ego that's going to get in that's the way. The key, but now he has to think logically. Somebody in his camp got to be like, yo, listen, it ain't 35 and then top rank taking theirs off the top. And then this person taking theirs off the top. Or, you know, ESPN would then take their off the top, top rank taking their off the top. And then we end up with 15. No, it's 35 and it's just our 35. Well, good luck. I mean, and, and it's then, logical now. And then the hardest part through all of this is like, yo, you just fought Sean Porter in this like a great fight and it bricked on pay-per-view. A lot of people bricked in December, though. That's a horrible time no, to it, fight. It is, but everyone bricked. Again, if, I, if I'm just looking at numbers, I'm like, you bricked. It's, it is what it is. You bricked. bricked. Yeah, like everybody bricked in December. Everybody. Jake Paul bricked. Jake Paul bricked in December. Everybody, everybody hit a brick because yeah. you put too many pay-per-views back to back to back to back to back. Yeah. But again, if I'm looking at the history of Terrence Crawford, I'm like, well, when have you ever sold 300,000 pay-per-views? Oh, you haven't. Harold got a couple of those. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, well. Tough. You don't have a late stand on. Good luck, buddy. He can, might have to take that. Um, Shakur Stevenson, Oscar Valdez reported NFL draft weekend. I'm telling Boy, you, that's so a fight. Yeah, man. So I get to do the draft on Thursday, the press conference, then the draft on Thursday, and then rounds two and three. Oh, and then I do weigh-ins Friday, rounds two and three, and then chill Saturday morning and do that's gonna be the Shakur fight. That's going to be a busy week. But that's crazy. That's such a, I mean. And then Wednesday we'll be in here for the pod. Yeah. So I'm sure like it, that'll be fun. Got a, a Evan top rank. Send us some people in here yeah. to the studio. That'd be but great. That, that is such a big fight. It's, it's, Shakur has already proven himself now. Right. Yeah. And as much as I like Oscar Valdez, I can't pick him to beat Shakur Stevenson. Shakur is too, after that last fight. No, Shakur is too defensively responsible yeah. and he keeps his head in the game and he just has all the tools, but it's a fantastic fight. This Almost gonna, lost the consensus. Yeah. But Shakur is that guy. He's like that guy who we had all the questions about. We're like, oh, is, you know, is he distracted? Is all this other stuff? And he put on a clinic. Now you get going there with Valdez. This is a star-making performance. And this, again, this is where Bob goes, all right, Terrence. Shakur's outdrawing you. You're, you were a unified champion. You're un, you were undisputed in 140. Yep. I got this kid. Yeah. This is why you can let people walk. Bob. Yeah, it's like, bye. <laughs> He's like, yo, I got, I got Yo, him. Bob is 23. Bob has been promoting all these years. You think he missed? He promoted Muhammad Ali. You think he's going to miss Terrence Crawford? He let Oscar walk. He right. let Floyd walk. And he found another. Let Manny walk. Find another. Like, yo, he's he business mind. I'm just saying business mind, non personal. He understands what he's doing in boxing. It's yes. hard to stay around at this level if you do not. The old grumpy um, and all that stuff, but he knows what he's doing. Man, 90 years old. Yeah. So looking at Shakur, this is. And this is what top rank, I think, hangs their hat on. You know, when we talked about top rank for years, they understand how to build young fighters. Yeah. If your second contract comes up and you want to leave or if you want to stay, that is on you. That first contract, you find it'd be hard-pressed to go somewhere better than top rank from when the age of 18 through, like, 25. Yeah. You know, this, this is what they do. This is the Mayweather path. When Mayweather was fighting, it was like, okay, decent fight, decent fight. Champion who should beat, just like Herring was. Yep. Cool champion, you should be. Okay, then let's give him someone who's like really big. They get made with Chop Chop. 
Well, I mean, he like fought, he, he derailed a couple of people. Yeah, he beat Gennaro Hernandez early, early in his career. He beat Chop Chop. You know, he he, he fought. He came into a couple fights as an underdog. Yeah, he fought Zab. He fought uh, he fought Sean Bay Mitchell, Diego Corrales. Corrales. Like, like he fought. They gave him these yeah. people who were like, yo, Corrales was a monster at that point. Yeah, Corrales, Floyd go ahead. That was the last person I ever picked to be Floyd Mayweather's Diego Corrales, and went in there and put the paws on. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things building Shakur in a similar model where it's like. Okay, decent touch, decent touch. Oh, okay, now is a belt we can grab. Cool, now it's going to force someone else who is actually very good in Valdez. Cool, now we're, we're going to push you pound for pound. Yeah. And then maybe we take you back for one fight, see you know, how the other belts situate. Cool, then maybe you can be undisputed. Yep. And it, like the, the web that is being weaved is, is they're very smart with building young fighters. Good matchmakers at Top Rank. Yeah. Matchmakers have been there like 30 years on the side of Bob. Like, they've been doing this for a very long time. Yep. So, I really like that fight. I love it that it's here in Vegas that weekend. I'm not worry about traveling anywhere else. I'm so glad about that. Um, Canelo, now we have a report from, you know, Salvador Rodriguez at ESPN. Shout out to Chava. Who's like, hey, letting you know from what I'm hearing, people aren't going to like who Canelo selects next. Is this, in your opinion, because I haven't even hit anyone up about this, do you think that he's talking about the Cruiserweight matchup or a different fight? Because people don't like the Cruiserweight matchup for him. Yeah, but the, I mean... Coppinger last week said it looked like negotiations were going on between him and Charlo. Yeah. Uh, it's not the Cruiserweight because he fights this month with yeah. Don King. I mean, he could turn around for... He could May. if he wins, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it is. And but the thing is, is like, you know, we dealt with Canelo with the zone. Canelo kind of just does what he wants. Whatever. But the thing about he does Can- whatever Reynoso wants. But the thing about Canelo and his team is, if you have a belt, I'm coming to get it. Yeah. That's like his his thing. He doesn't take like nonsensical fights. If you have a belt, I'm coming to get it. So who has a belt? Who has a belt is 68. Who has a belt is 75. And then you go up to Cruiserweight. So if you look at 75... Yeah, it's all the belts at 68. Yeah, so it's like... For no one there. So there's nobody there. Nope. So you go up to 75. Is it Better BF? I doubt it. That's going to be tough. He beats the shit out of Better BF, though. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great fight. I think he it's punishes... his fight since... No, nah, I, I, I think he works Better BF. Better BF gets hit way too much. Canelo, and he's slow. He, he, already fought, he, slow. he already fought Triple G. But he got the power. You got you got to hit him first. Yeah, and he got touched up a lot this past fight. Yeah. Yes, so against Marcus Brown. So it's then it's Demetri Bivol. Could it be him? Yeah, possible. That's a fight that people wouldn't like because people don't know who Demetri Bivol is. Joe Smith, who just fought. Yep, we'll talk about. Could be Joe Smith Jr. Who destroys Joe Smith Jr. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not a great fight. Ugly. So I don't know where you go. I don't I like. I I don't know who it's gonna be that people want the Charlo fight. They want Charlo. They want um, better Vidas. Yeah. But they don't have anything for exactly. Canelo. Exactly. It's like, well, what, what belt That's am I getting? Sided. Canelo's giving everything. Yeah, so them. why am I fighting you? You ain't got no belts. I'm trying to create a legacy. So I, I don't know who it is. I think, I think we're about a month away from figuring it out. I think it won't really come to fruition until March. Yeah. I think a lot of the conversations that we're having... Is, he's going to fight Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. He's... Well... If the money, like, Canelo skips out on holidays. If, if yeah, the money ain't yeah. right, he'd be like, I'm good. He skips out on that September date all the time. He don't skip out on May 5th. No, nah, I don't think he'll skip out on May. I think, I think he'll fight in May. I just... Which would be May 7th. 
I'd like to see the Charlo fight because I just want a lot of people to shut up. Because <laughs> he doesn't fight black fighters, which is goofy. The but Jacobs don't exist. Right, like Daniel Jacobs didn't exist. Like I don't, I, I don't, I don't know who it's gonna be, but it's like I want the Charlo fight to happen because I think people just put way too much of Charlo. He's the real deal. No, no, no. The toughest fight for Canelo, in my opinion, is David Benavides. Yeah, that to me, that is hands down the toughest fighter. For Charlo gave him a tough, tough fight, but smaller guy never fought at the weight. Moving yeah, up, it's like, a lot. It's a lot. It's a big ask for Charlo. Like I just saw what Canelo did to Caleb Plant. Yeah. I feel like the skills are similar between. I want to see Plant and Charlo fight. Right. They, those there's other fights I like to see. The only other person that's hanging around that has nobody to fight is Boo Boo. And Demetrius Andre fights at sixty. Yeah. And the fight that everybody wants. I need to see him versus Triple. <laughs> shout out to Chris Mannix. Is everybody wants to see Charlo and Boo Boo fight? Yep. So the only person that's left it would be Gennady Golovkin. Because that fight got pushed back. And it seems like it's been pushed off the table completely now. They haven't even talked about rescheduling it. And I don't know if anybody would be necessarily mad if Canelo and Triple G fought again. There's still a lot of money in that fight. A ton of money. So, if, again, but what does it present for Canelo? Money. That, I mean, that fight is, he wants to defend. He would take it because it's like, well, it's a definitive ending. And none of the other guys, like at least Triple G can draw. Yeah, but what does drawing mean on zone? I mean, it means a lot of money for Canelo. He gets paid up Without front. Without pay-per-view? He gets paid up front. Okay. I mean... Yeah, they got to put up a lot. Yeah, he gets paid up front and they take that'd be, it. That'd be one of Eddie Hearn's mid, Middle East specials. Yeah, and, and you look at and Canelo, look at it and go, all right, well, I get to finish him this time. Because obviously Canelo in his head is like, I'm going to finish this guy. And you, Triple G's happy. And I, I think it's funny because a lot of people think he just destroys Triple G in the arena. I don't think so. I think it's, it's a... It, I think... Gennady hasn't had anybody he's wanted to fight. The Derevchenko fight, he didn't want that fight. <laughs> he was like, ah. Yeah. Then he got hurt and he was like, this sucks. Just here so I don't get fined. Yeah. Like on his march on. Yeah. So Canelo versus, I don't know. We'll see. May, May 7th. He's gonna fight somebody. I'd love for it to be Benavides, but it ain't gonna be him. So we'll see. Yeah. I I can't wait to see who he picks, but like you said, probably a month away. Um, and then we have George Cambosis, same timeline. He's looking for like second, third week in May. Him and Haney went back and forth today. Eddie Hearn. Well, that was a reveal. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Hearn was like, hey, listen, we got an offer from the Middle East. And to stage this fight and they want, you know, that fight there, Haney, Cambosis, which Eddie Hearn, again, this makes sense because it is COVID times. Australia is like super COVID lockdown now. Um, again, but Cambosis is steadfast. I want to fight in Australia. I want to fight in Packard Stadium. He's like, my man, I want that for you. Objectively, like it's good, it's a good vision. It'd be one hell of a fight. Bring all the belts there, peasantry, all that stuff. Not sure if COVID's gonna let up enough to allow that. Like that's four months away. At at a point, four months seems like a long time in the distance, but it comes up very quick. I don't know if what we're going through now and by then. So maybe the Middle East deal is probably the most money you're going to get. And it's going to happen guaranteed. They will build you a bubble. We've seen Fight Island, mm-hmm. the UFC. Like, they will make it happen. They'll give you the entire hotel to quarantine. They'll figure it out. And it's kind of halfway, no home fit. Like, you don't get advantage, whatever. I would entertain a deal. It doesn't seem like he is. He's steadfast on fighting in Australia. 
the more they talk back and forth, the more that this comes out, the more Eddie Hearn talks about it. It's very, I mean, Eddie Hearn talks about everything, but he does have a method to the madness. When he puts this out, it's like, to me, he's trying to talk Haney into winning the, the bidding war for Cambosis, which then makes me think he knows he's losing. So he's, he's coming up with money. Like, why did you even entertain going to the Middle East and putting this on the table for these titles, for the lightweight undisputed championship? And Cambosis said it's Australia. Oh, because you're trying to get more money to win this. Oh, you're slipping behind. I don't know behind who. Inside, and I have no inside information. I think Loma's going to get the fight. Mm. This is tough. All right, so if you're George Cambosis, the reason why you want to fight in Australia is because it's your home. Oh. You've been, you've been fighting road games for so long. Now you're the undisputed champion. You want to fight in your backyard. The only thing that's really preventing it is COVID. You want to control the narrative. Yep. You fight in your backyard. Who's a little home cooking? I mean. The judge is there. No, you want home field advantage. Yeah. Right? Like, you fight anywhere else, you're not going to get a home field advantage. Now, if you fight Devin Haney, be honest. Say we put that fight at a crypto arena. It's not selling like that. No. Right? And they ain't giving you a... I don't know. Matchroom might give you a lot up front. No, Matchroom is going to pay you. Yeah. But in terms of... You got to think ahead, right? So if you're George Cambosis, you got to think ahead. It's like, well, where's my most visibility at? Because like, if I fight in a soccer stadium in Australia with tens of thousands of people, my profile immediately goes up because anybody or lose. Yeah, anybody looking at the fight is going to be like, yo, he can draw. Yep. But if I fight... And Devin you can Haney, always draw there. Yeah. If you fight in Australia, you can always draw at home. So if, but if I fight Devin Haney and only 8,000 people show up, they ain't going to look good. And if when I go to negotiate my next fight, they're going to be like, you can't draw. So here's the thing. I don't know if you get fight Lomachenko. Like, if you don't fight in Australia, I don't know who his mandatories are for those titles. None yet. You might just fight, fight a mandatory. And De- Devin's the mandatory. Yeah, he's a WBC mandatory. The but- other ones don't have it yet. Um, Tank, it, it is being reported that Gervonta, his next fight, is going to be the mandatory. Next mandatory for those belts. There's no other upcoming mandatories. So it'd be Tank fighting maybe Roley. Tank just has to win. Yeah. And then he's an automatic mandatory going into next fall. Against whoever Cambosis chooses. I mean, Cambosis, uh, if he's sitting back, he know he getting his title shot. The business says it's a, it's a roll of the dice, but the business says I'll, I should find somebody to fight because maybe this Haney fight needs to happen in Australia. Maybe it shouldn't happen anywhere else. So maybe I, I take some money, fight somebody, get a title defense in, and set it up so I can go home. Because the problem is, let's just say you fight Haney and lose in the Middle East. It's over. Yeah. It, like, it's over. Now Devin Haney's undisputed champion. You have nothing, and you go home, and you can't have that big homecoming fight that you want to. Yep. That's why fighting at home, win or lose, you're their champion. You're their yeah. warrior. Tim, what? Tim. Tim Zoo? Zoo fights out there, packs it out every time. Yeah. Like, if you pack it out once, huge stadium, you probably do 40,000 for your next fight. Like, you'll always be their champion. They always saw you once as their champion. Yeah. That visual is huge. So you have to, like, the businesses would be like, roll the dice, uh, see what happens. Hopefully COVID clears up, and then me and Devin can fight. Yep. But it's like, if you fight Devin in the Middle East and you get washed, I'm not saying it happens, but let's just say it does, it's over. 
Nobody wants to fight you now. I had him losing the Teofimo fight. I didn't, but... I yeah. had him, like, it was close. I mean, we know that George Cambosis right now I is playing... It was a dead draw, excuse me, but I saw the judges' scorecards and they gave Teofimo a 10-9 in the first when he got knocked down. Which was stupid. Instead yeah. of a 10-8. And I, by that logic, I think Teofimo won that fight. So, somebody in George's team knows, kind of playing with house money right now. Especially when the reports came out, the Teal's like lungs were compromised. Yeah. It's like, yo, maybe. That was still closer than it should yeah, have been. That. We probably dodged the bullet on that night. Devin's a tough fight. And the reason why it's like, we got to take this fight home because Devin can't draw. And it's a tough fight that we might lose. Yep. Loma, the Lomachenko fight, great fight, but Lomachenko probably punishes George Loma Kimmel. might stop you. See, that's the difference. You fight anywhere against Loma, he might stop you. Home cooking, judges. It don't matter if your mama understands, nothing. It, it ain't going to stop that, right? Against Devin, you look at Devin and be like, this is probably going to a decision. He ain't going to put me down. He ain't going to stop me. If it got to go to a decision against Devin, fighting at home matters. Yeah. Uh, here's, the other, here's my problem with Lomachenko, and I needed to see another fight out of him. It's kind of off the beaten path. Lomachenko's last fight showed me something that really concerns me about Vasily Lomachenko. He thinks he's too good. He knows he's too good. And because he knows he's too good, he doesn't finish the job like he should. I mean, he was trying. He told Comey's corner to stop no, it. But, he but, looked over. He's but, like, whatever. But if you're trying to finish the job, even though you know you're winning, you finish the job. Lomachenko thought he was so good that he was beating the hell out of somebody. He was like, well, somebody should stop this because I'm too good. Yeah. I'll no take, Machenko. And I'll, and I'll take, you know, I'll take my foot off the gas. And, you know, somebody will save you. Lo and behold, Comey's still hanging around. Yeah. If Loma was fighting like his career really depended on it, that fight wouldn't have went the distance. It's like when you play somebody in Madden, right? And you know you're better than them. And you know you can score in any play that you want. Instead, you're like running QB sneaks, you know, being tricky. Ah, we're going to play action here and there. We're going to run the ball. I don't really run the ball like this. Oh, when I'm on defense, I'm just going to blitz you every down. Oh, yeah. Right? Because I'm that good. And I know, if I, I know if I fall behind, I can come back at any time. But then what happens? It's what happened with the T.O. fight. I know I'm that good. I can figure this out six, seven turned rounds in. On. Yep. I turned it on too late. I need Lomachenko to go out there and start beating people up and finishing his food. Beat the hell out of Nakatani. But you have to do that <laughs> every fight. Beat up Kofi. You can't, you can't let anybody off the hook. You can't. Because, one, you can't trust judges. And you can't no. be so good to not think that somebody could catch you yeah. falling asleep at the wheel. It's the key. So fighting George Cambosis, I think Loma wins that fight. What happens if Loma just looks at him and is like, you guys should stop the fight? And then somewhere, a goofy-ass judge was like, that's a, that's a such-and-such round. Loma's losing fights. Yep. Like, Loma should be, Loma is still one of the most gifted fighters I've ever seen in terms of footwork, positioning. He's, he's still incredibly small. For the, for the weight class, right? But I, I get frustrated watching him fight because against Comey, I don't need you looking at the corner. You think Mike Tyson would ever look at the corner and be like, save him? No. No, Mike Tyson. Finish him. Yeah, Mike Tyson punching your brains out your head. Yep. That's his, my job is to punch you until you're done. Loma treats this like a game. I need him to treat this like a fight. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how they game plan. That's how they go. It's it's chess. And he, like, plays it gentlemanly. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, hey, I'm going to take your king. Yes, like, uh, uh, it's a gentleman's duel. I'll take off my glove and slap you. Yeah, yeah. No, man, stab a fool. Like, get him out of here. <laughs> Quit playing. 
Now, we'll see how all of that plays out. Let's hit our last break because when we come back, we'll talk more about that Joe Smith Jr. win. What's next for him? And then we'll preview this Gary Russell Jr. fight, which only happens once a year. Hasn't happened in two. So uh, we talk about him while we can. Be right back after this. You guys don't go anywhere. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy dropped Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. All right, we are back real quick to wrap up the show. Dre, we got to talk about Joe Smith Jr. <sighs> when he fought in upstate New York, the funniest thing someone told me this past weekend was, Kel, you at the fight? <laughs> Excuse me? No. Six degrees. Yeah, no. No, I ain't at this fight. I mean, uh, and my screen, shout out to you. Uh, I set up the TV. I had to take it out of the box. Oh, you took it out of yeah, the box? Yeah, people don't know, uh, uh, Dre... During Black Friday, mistakenly bought two TVs. I told him, yo, don't take it back. I'll take the extra one that you bought. And he decided to keep the smaller one, 77-inch. Yep. So I was like, dope. I'll cop the 82-inch off of you. So I finally did that. Went to his crib. He was like, yo, you got to bring someone else with you. Needs a truck. Lo and behold, it did. It's a big-ass TV. So I went, got it upstairs in my crib. I was going to leave it in the box until I move in May um, into my new place. Scale four months is a long time. Looking at a box. <laughs> I was like, I want to see how my PlayStation looks on this TV. So what I did was I have all my other TVs hanging. I don't really care like how my apartment looks now. Like whatever. It's like a temporary apartment until I get the crib. So I was like, you know what? Took the TV out the box. Put the legs on it. Sat it on the floor underneath the wall. <laughs> the hanging TV. So now I have a de facto three TV set up. They're just spread out. In my living room, because um, like in my little office space to the left of the living room, I have a 55 inch and then a 55. Now a 82. That TV's crisp. Yeah, yeah. What? I played a uh, Spider-Man Mar- Miles Morales. Crazy. Look, I, I can't wait to play Ratchet and Clank on that because so, that already looks amazing, oh, like is. a Pixar. Movie. Somebody's asking. It's like, well, Andreas, why would you give him the bigger TV? Well, I gave you the QLED and I kept the OLED. So if anybody knows anything about TVs, like the smaller one is, is very expensive. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get, because when the, when Black Friday happened, I saw the 82 inch first and I saw the QLED and I was like, oh, I'm going to get this QLED. And then like 10 hours later, the OLED came on sale for like a thousand dollars off. And I looked at my wife and I was like, I'm getting this. She's like, you better take back the other one. And I tried to cancel the order. And then two TVs showed up at my house. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like my, my <laughs> wife looked and she was like, she looked at, she looked, she was like, there's a, because I have a 65 inch already. She was like, this is 77. This is 82. She's like, Andreas, where the fuck are these things going? And I was like, I, I don't know. And I was like, I'm going to take one back. And I had already called and I think I told you in passing. He was like, I'll get it off of you. Yep. And my wife was like, he better pay up. He better, because these are some nice ass TVs. I was like, he coming to get it. And he came and got that big ass TV out of my living room. <laughs> I got my 77 inch on the wall and it's, yo, that OLED. Oh my, I was watching the Niners game. It was like, Chris. Oh, so beautiful. Listen, the Q 
QLED is more than enough crisp for yeah, me. I, I, I wouldn't mean, know the difference. It's 82 sir. inches. Yeah. What? It looks incredible. Big TV. The frame rate is great for the video yes. games. Yes. Chris, like I can, oh, just batting an MLB, so much easier because of it. I try to play Madden on it. I hate Madden. Madden sucks. It, it does. It looks great. Yeah, I mean, sucks. Madden looks like, dude, this is not the year for sports games. I've only played the show. I bought NBA 2K. I've played like once. And you want to know why I can't play it? Because this NBA season is driving me nuts. Yeah, I'm not. I could barely pay attention. It's like, NBA who's playing tonight? I don't even know who these guys are on the court. Yeah. Who's got a 10-day contract? This is like the worst NBA season ever. Yeah. So Everybody's not, a health protocol. Not with it. So. No Paul George, no Ben Simmons. Like, trying to play 2K. I, I got to get into it and make a bunch of trades. I decided I'm going to be the Knicks. So I started my franchise. I'll be the Knicks. Um, probably going to trade Julius Randle tonight. Like, I, I played a game. Because you start in the preseason. So then let me see who I can play. I don't like Julius Randle's game. I can't do it. it. It's not conducive to me. I need like a power forward. I'm better with OB Toppin, whatever his name is, than Julius Randle. Because he don't get up and down the court. It's like playing with Draymond. What am I going to do with that? I need an athletic squad. So, yeah, I'm probably going to trade him tonight. But now, nah, shout out to you for the TV. <laughs> Worked like a charm. But I did watch the Joe Smith Jr. fight on that TV. So I had it on crisp. See everything while I was working, cutting video from it. And talking about having to look good in spots served to you on a silver platter. Yes. This is his first title defense. He had a title shot two and a half years ago against Baval, lost, worked his way back up, found a vacant title, went, won it where people thought he was going to lose against Alvarez because Alvarez was a run through people. Crazy yep. knockout power. Um, knocked out Alvarez. Wow. Great great performance. Start making performance. You face someone who's not as tough. Late, late opponent. Ten days notice, I believe. Jumped into the fight. And you don't really try to get him out of there. Yeah. You let his corner stop it. Like you just said with Loma. That's not enough. No, but you know, Joseph Jr., if it was like, if he had a walkout song, It'd be, I'm just a working man. He's an American <laughs> dream. Like, that's, that's what he is, right? Like, there's 10 million Joe Smith Juniors out there. There and, is. And Box Rec is so ridiculous. They ran that in the, the package. He's not, like, a great fighter. Like, he's caught everybody kind of at the right time. Yep. Bernard Hopkins, bottom at the end of his career, knocked his old ass out the ring, sent him into retirement. Alita Alvarez was old, had his fights with Kovalev, caught him at the right time. Yep. He didn't catch Dimitri Bivol at the right time. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> got beat up. Yep. But now it's like, I watch him. It's like, he's one of those guys. It's like, all right, you're just kind of keeping this belt warm. Somebody going to beat your ass with that belt. It should be Better Bia. Yeah. Same promotional company. It's an easy fight to make. They just fought a couple weeks away, you know, apart. Um, Better Bia fought in Montreal. Yep. In Canada to end the year. It's like, it's all set up. There's no reason why May. I mean, again, I don't know if it sells. I don't think it does. It depends on where you. It's probably not. You can put it in Canada again. Yeah, it'll be. It'll do okay. But it's like, yeah, you're trying to be on free ESPN. It's three belts. Yeah, I mean, three belts. If you're trying for any reason, if you're a top rank, and I don't know this, I'm just speaking, no inside info. But if you're trying to entice Canelo there you to go. fight, and if you want him to fight on an ESPN pay per view or something like that. Listen, he may fight Joe Smith Jr. for one belt. He may fight Bitter Bia for two. 
he'll definitely fight the winner if they got three. Yeah, you know, like like Omar and The Wire. It's like, why should I ride three dope houses when you can all bring it to one? And then we'll rob that place. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's kind of how he is. Canelo's looking Canelo, at it. He's Omar. And I need that. I need that Photoshop. Yeah. Can we get graphics team on this? I need Omar <laughs> whistling, but with Canelo's face on it. And all the other light heavyweights and cruiserweights running away <laughs> as he's whistling. We yeah, need I mean, that. That's what it is. If you're top rank, it's like, all right, we got all the dope. We got the red tops. You got some red tops. You got some red tops. Well, we, we want to bait Omar to come out, right? But if we have all these blocks, with red we don't know which block. He's just going to rob us individually. We can't stop Omar individually. We got to stop him as a unit. We got to get the most out of him. Because Omar don't have a lot of time to waste. He'll rob one dope house and be like, ah, I'm done and move on. That's what Canelo do. Canelo beat up Joe Smith Jr. He'll look at better BF and be like, maybe I'll go fight a cruiserweight. That's not what you want. You want all, them, all of it at once. Get all the red tops. Put him, put him in Amsterdam. So we, can, <laughs> we can get it. And here, come, here comes Canelo whistling down the block. And you're like, ah, oh, shit, here he comes. But if your top rank is like, the only difference is you might be able to rob Canelo of some of his money. You're not going to beat him. But you're going to get the eyeballs and you get the pay-per-view. Right, so it's and like you can stack that undercard, yeah, with all your young fighters or like future stars. Where you think it get that look? It's like, hey, you call Joe and better be Evan. You call him in two rooms. Like, look, y'all two gonna fight. One of y'all gotta lose, right? But you know what? The winner of this fight, you're gonna lose to Canelo. So whichever one, like at least for a minute, you'll have three belts. You can say, and and the winner of this fight is gonna make a lot of money. A lot of money. Like you'll get him a lot of money fighting Canelo. But, and if, they, if you don't want to fight each other, he's just going to rob you both at some point, right? He's just going to come whistle, bust in your house, shoot you down, and then nobody's going to know your name. You'll just be the faceless drug dealer laid out dead that Omar robbed. That's it. Or somebody else going to rob you first. Yeah. That's least, always the problem. Yeah. He going to rob whoever he wants to rob when the time is right. Somebody else might rob you first, and you ain't going to even get the shot. Like, okay, you want to play? You don't want to fight him now? Cool. Joe Smith Jr., you might fight Daniel Jacobs next, and he going to take your belt, and then you're going to really be out of it. Yeah, you're going to be upset. At least get robbed by a legend. That's it. <laughs> get least, some money on your way out. At least you could go home and be like, Omar robbed me. me yeah. <laughs> but if you say, like, Joe, John, Joe Jackson robbed me, yeah, and people he, be like, who the hell is Joe Jackson? You got robbed by a sucker, and then nobody remembers you. Got robbed by Snoop on the wire. No, well, I mean, you don't want to get robbed by Snoop because he'll shoot you with a drill gun and hide you in the balls. <laughs> but you, you want to get robbed by a legend. Like, you want that glean. You want a little piece of that. You want to be Marlo Stansfield. Like, yeah, I, I can take him because that's the other thing. You got to build up that person to believe. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, you could, you could get Omar. But little did we know, Omar, well, sorry, spoiler for people who never watched The Wire, the person that was going to get Omar was never going to be the person you thought it was. So y'all can set it up. Just go ahead and put the money together. Lay the trap. It's not really a trap because he's going to come get it anyway. <laughs> he's coming to get his money. But you make you know he's coming if you put all three together. Yeah, then You're you say... You're hoping he's coming if you only got one or if the other person only got yep. two. If you got three, you, that whistle, that whistle happening. Yep. Wait. And then, and then what you... show up on fight night. And then you, what you're doing is like, it's like, all right, better be ever, Joe. Y'all got that fight. It's like, big baby. You know what I'm saying? Like... You on here? You're on here. We're gonna give you. We're gonna get you some shine because this fool think he gonna win. Yep. He gonna get beat up. You're gonna get the spotlight. So you got to go out Berlanga? there. Longer. Yep. Hey, you on here? You want to set it up? And we gonna talk about you fighting Canelo a couple years from now. Mexican Porter for longer. Yeah. You on the card? We throw in every, hey, everybody. When that camera's in your face, you know it's like I'm gonna rob Omar, and everybody goes, "Ooh, you gonna yep. rob Omar?" 
we know you're not going to rob Obama. <laughs> but we are at least going to give you that shot. So that's the best thing to do because Joe Smith Jr. is not a guy who's destined to hang on to these titles for a long time. Sorry, Joe. People going to be pissed off, but you ain't it. You ain't it. Listen, take the, take the time when you got it. So outside of that, Gary Russell Jr. fights hey. this weekend. It's like Christmas. This it, fool fights like leap years. How does he still have this belt? Because WBC is an odd place. Him and Terrence Crawford are very close. Gary Russell Jr. is incredibly skilled. He's only lost one fight. Loma. Fair. He lost Loma. Loma's second fight. Like, Loma's. I mean, Loma, I mean Loma's incredible. Terrence Crawford is better, right? But yeah. nobody cares to watch Gary Russell fight. Except for us. Like, we, we want to see him fight. I mean, we don't know. He only fights once a year. That's what I'm saying. So, it's like, it's hard to build somebody. He's got a lot of stuff going on in his family and, and all that stuff. it's not like his once-a-year fight's a blockbuster. No, he just fights somebody. And it's just like, like, who's he fighting this weekend? He is fighting... That's my point. Yeah, Mark. Maxayo. <laughs> um, Who cares? Yeah. Right? And Maxayo's undefeated. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's earned this shot. It's probably... But nobody cares. This fight coming from the Philippines. I don't care. Strained by Freddie Roach. I don't care. Yeah, people call him a young Pacquiao. They've done this a, a lot. Stop calling people yeah, young Pacquiao. Come on. Stop, stop doing that. Come on. I'm, I'm wholeheartedly leaning away from that yeah, on no, ringside. This I don't do that. I don't, I don't call people young Pacquiao. They, they get beat up. Mercedo, no mercy. Hester, they called for a brief second the, the new Pacquiao. He got beat up. It's, it's a bad thing to do. But this guy, I mean, Gary Russell should win. This is his, he's been gone for two years. He comes back, wins this fight. I don't know what you do with Gary Russell Jr. Gary Russell will continue to say that people are ducking him. But if you're only fighting once a year, I ain't got time to waste to figure out when you're going to fight in a 12-month calendar year. I got to pick one date. <laughs> I, got, I got other things to do than wait for Gary Russell Jr. Yep. He's got a belt, but I don't care that much. Nope. And that's a transitional division. Yeah. At, like, its core. Like, people hang around, like, 122 every now and then. Or, you know, 130 seems to be a landing spot where people take their time. 135, even people chill at 135 for a little while. 126, people be in and out. Since the days of like Floyd, Floyd fought. Though Floyd was supposed to fight at 126, started at 130, skipped it entirely. Manny skipped over 126, I believe, went 122 to 130 and kept moving. Yeah, he was like, all right. Like people just for some reason, Shakur was at 126, grabbed the belt, was like, I'm out. Real quick. He'll land at 126 and be gone. Um, it, it's just. I guess that's why he's been able to keep the belt for so long. No one's been there long enough to be like, yo, I want to wait and earn my shot at 126-pound WBC title. I'm gone. I'm at 130, 135 before you can blink. So they got to they gotta force him to fight more than once a year. Honestly, I'd be like, yo, if you don't fight again by July, we're stripping I mean, he has to fight more than once a year. And it's like, you fought Jojo Diaz, you fought Kiko Martinez, you fought Lomachenko, and he's like, these are all good Jojo fights. Jojo Diaz. Yeah. Good fight. Was a, That's a good, good fight. fight. But nobody cares. Because you don't fight enough. I got I to gotta see you. Right? You're not an attraction like that. The thing about Gary Russell Jr., he's like the wrong side of boxing. He gets paid a lot of money. Does he? He, does, he gets paid well. Okay. So, we'll see. I mean, I'm picking him to... By stoppage. I didn't know he sold it all. But you look at the other champions there. Leo Santa Cruz, still a champion. Um, Lee Wood is the WBA regular champion. 
Okay. Which it's uh, him versus Conlon. Yeah. Coming up in a on a month to see there. And I mean, Lee Wood is young though. Like I don't know what he really had. Then Gary Russell Jr. Um, oh, Navarrete, who's probably moving up to 130. Definitely moving up. I mean, he's a big dude. And then Kiko Martinez. Who he's like, already beat. Yeah, like Kiko, but it's like... You gotta it's, Gary Russell Jr.'s got to move up to 30. Mm. He's small. But he's got to move up to 30. He has to fight at 30, 35. 26, there's nothing that I care about. Nah, I mean... Like, we just saw Jojo Diaz fight Devin Haney at 35. Yep. And you beat Jojo Diaz. You mean something? I mean, I know you're small, but you're running out of time. Oh, the time. Time is his worst Yeah, enemy. it's like the clock is ticking. Move yeah. up. Fight. If he stays at 126, again. Leo Santa va- Cruz? Vacate at 126 if you don't fight by July. Not even Santa Cruz. I want Fulton to fight. We have Fulton on that's the show. A, that's a good fight. Fulton's WBC right. champion at 122. If you vacate for any reason, yeah, a a fight. you're automatic number one contender. He has to fight you. Yeah, Fulton wants that fight too. Fulton, Fulton's got dog. Fulton wants every fight. Yeah. He was talking trash. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> fight. That's a good fight. The other day. Um, that's an amazing fight. Yeah. If Fulton vacates and goes up. Problem is with Fulton, you're one fight away from undisputed. Yeah. If you can pay and land it. There's just no guarantee there. Is Akmaliyev, I don't know if that fight's happening. Akmaliyev has the other two belts. Like, how long can he just say? Yeah. I mean, technically, as long as you want. It's, it's, you know, it's the only, the most entertaining thing about Gary Russell Jr. is figuring out when he's going to fight. <laughs> over under him fighting. Tw- if we have to put the over and under one and a half, taking over or under for Gary Russell Jr. What, fights? Time. Yeah. He's going to fight once this year. That's it. <laughs> Even though it's early. I, it, does, it never has mattered. We're in January. He fights early in the year. And he just takes the rest of the year off. And I don't know what he does for the rest of the year. Like he says, he's training, but go fight somebody. Something. I, this should be the year he fights twice. If he doesn't fight twice this year, he should just retire. I don't. I don't know what else there is to do. <laughs> Man, if if he doesn't again, they got to strip. It's ridiculous. It's it's out of control. Yeah, it's like five years, six years of fighting once a year. They can't get it done. He's now. made a living off of this though. It's crazy. That if I'm Dana White, that's the guy I look at and be like, "That's why I don't pay them that much." That's because his ass is just, just at, sit home. at home. Yeah, like if I paid them what they deserved, they would sit at home. He's like, I have no one to. I can't make him fight. I can't make him fight. <laughs> I can't. Uh, our UFC show is is this week. I cannot wait to talk about Francis Ngannou because I'm like, dog, do you care about fighting or do you care about boxing? Because you are in the toughest fight probably. Of your career. Pushing a lot of boxing. Yeah, and you, all you talk about is boxing. I mean, I love it for engagement on ringside. Or I mean, no, I'm, but I'm, yeah, no, it's, it's great. But, but it's not selling his fight in the UFC. I just want to make one point so we can get out of here. Francis Gatto says he's not signing a contract unless he can box. Y'all, I criticize Dana a lot. Dana would be a fool to let Francis Ngannou box. Because what will happen is Francis Ngannou will go box. Tyson Fury would be like, give him to me. Beat the holy hell out of him and send his ass back to the UFC. Now I got damaged goods. Yeah. And I got to send him out there and say, that's my heavyweight champion. Here's the highlight reel. Tyson Fury fat ass beating him up. <laughs> like, it doesn't look good. Especially Ngannou looks like the, a, a pro wrestler. He's huge. Oh, he's definitely getting beat. He gets held by the guy with the muffin top. Dude. Like, he, he looks incredible. He looks like Captain Planet. Yo. And he's going to get beat up by... The little green guy and like 
look, look, look. And, and Ghostbusters. We're, we're like, gonna, that's Tyson Fury's body. We're going to talk about the fight more in depth on, on our Wednesday show. But Francis Ngannou hits very hard. He has very little gloves. Yes. Deontay Wilder sends Francis Ngannou to the gods if they were to box. Oh, yeah. To, I mean, to the gods. So he's, he kills him. Fury might be kind to him. Fury, Joshua, any, all of those heavyweights, because his boxing is crude. It's not real boxing. No. And all he's talking about is, I got to have one boxing match or else I would not sign my contract. Now, you could have stopped when you said, I would not fight for a half a million dollars anymore. I need to make more. And I'd have been like, cool. But as yeah. soon as he said boxing, you have, nothing, you have no leg to stay. Why? Why would I let you do that? That don't make me no money. You ain't Conor McGregor. That's the thing. And I made a mistake letting Conor do that. Conor ain't never been the same. And as much as people like Conor hung with Floyd and everything was great and he performed better, whatever your belief is on that, whether Floyd carried him, whatever it is, right? Conor was not the same after taking all of those punches to the head. As an MMA, you don't take all of those punches to the head. Dog. If not, you're knocked out. So Conor was never the same after that Floyd fight. Let, let's, let, let's be very specific. Conor wasn't the same when he walked home with $100 million. They had to come back to the UFC and be like, what is this pissant money you're trying to give me now? Like, My man's number one on Forbes again this year. That's what I'm saying. So if Ngannou... 120, like its total net worth now is like 400 mil. Francis Ngannou fights Tyson Fury, right? Let's just say Bob Aaron's like, fine, I'll give you five to fight because it's probably going to draw really well. And yeah. I'm going to send your ass back to the UFC. You think Francis Ngannou's going to come back and be like, yeah, I'll fight for a million? No, Two million. No, now you got a problem. He Three wants to million. Work the deal. Four million. It's a problem. Dana letting Connor box. He created a monster. He made Frankenstein. Then Frankenstein punched him in the face. Yeah. He's never doing that again. No, he's like, uh-uh, I ain't doing this again. Nope. And especially this. Fight out your contract. Then you can go box Jake Paul. Like for like Nate and Masvidal, fight out your deals. You're going to do whatever you want after that. Not I, my problem. I promise you, Dana White is sitting at home right now going, oh, zero game. <laughs> like it, I just it'll be over because it there'll be nothing for Francis to do but resign. Yeah, if Cyril beats him, you he'll have to come crawling back to he's like you just take whatever I give you. You're not the champion anymore because now you've lost now three times. Yeah, now you got to work your way back up and then then I mean Dana knows whatever fight after this. Yeah, maybe Ngannou Jones sells a little more. Yeah, Jones making his heavyweight debut. Sounds against anybody. Of course it does. So, if it's Cyril at that time? Right, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's still going to pop a huge number. I just, yo, I just wish Francis would say I should get paid more. This boxing stuff, he got to chill. He's got to He's got to chill. Cause, he ain't going to win. Like, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, why I'm, go and do something where you have 0% chance of winning? That's like saying LeBron's like, yo, I'm going to play a season in the NFL. And the Lakers are like, sure, go ahead. And then he, he's terrible. And then he comes back to the league. It's like, well, now, look at this. You pathetic man, you. Like, what did you do? You didn't help anything. Yeah, you didn't. This is nothing. And you got paid more. And especially they pay you more. It's dumb. We'll talk about it more on Wednesday. Yeah, man. It's, it's going to be crazy. Can't wait to talk about the UFC. Oh, before we get out of here, tell everybody about we're doing a Royal Rumble live show. We should start promoting this now. Oh, yes. So on air, we're definitely going to promote this now. Um, Royal Rumble which is January 29th, right, Cole? Yes, we'll be doing another watch party. We did our watch party for Survivor Series. Um, we had everyone in here. That was really dope. We're switching it up for this watch party. We're doing the corner 
Rumble for the Watch Party, where we are having multiple guests come in. We'll have the little clock countdown and everything. We're going to do it Royal Rumble status with different guests throughout the entire thing. We're actually going to have five listeners come on as part of that. So if you guys are interested, hit us up on Twitter. Um, I'll have something like kind of official, a way to do it. Twitter, Instagram, I'll put everyone's at like in a hat or something. We'll do it like right here on the show and pull it to begin the show and announce it um, next week, probably next Sunday because we're gearing up for that. So I'll make sure I have all the guests in the hat as well. So if you guys are interested, make sure you hit us up. But we're going to have a bunch of surprise guests. We're going to announce some guests beforehand. It's going to be fun. It'll, of course, be live streamed on Twitter as it was last time. If it's somewhere else, like YouTube, anything like that, we'll let you guys know where you guys can follow along. We're going to really streamline that process because I guess there's a chat somewhere that I ignored the entire time. Um, <laughs> we were on air last time. I promise not to do it again. But no, it was always fun. It was so much fun last time. Uh, maybe we have some guests come in as well. We're figuring out the logistics of this. But it's going to be really great. You guys don't want to miss it. The first ever Corner Rumble. I'm sure it's going to go off without a hit. Shout out to producer Cole Bebe, making sure everything goes perfectly well for this. It's going to be so much fun. Make sure you guys follow along with us during Royal Rumble weekend. This is going to be great. You'll hear more about this all week. We appreciate you. In the meantime, though, follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Make sure you follow producer Cole Bebe on Twitter at Coltrane, C-O-A-L-E. On You know, you know how to spell train. If you don't, then listen, man, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. And <laughs> try to give our listeners the benefit of the doubt. Don't. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network, Blue Wire Studios here at the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas, our home. This is where you'll be watching us for the watch party as well. It's going to be so fun. It's set up. We got our own Jumbotron. What can you tell us? We have our own Jumbotron in the background. It's going to be so much fun. Thank you for everyone in production, always holding it down for us in there. You guys stay safe. Stay Rona free. Make sure you guys are up, healthy, and available to watch us and our corner rumble in two weeks. So we appreciate you all. Until next time, though, we are out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.